Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stacks. This is Jay. And I'm Shanna. I got nothing, <laughs> yeah, this, not time. Much... nothing this time. Wushanna? All that? Re- referring to the genre of a second. Yeah, yeah, I guess I, that that works. <laughs> Bit of a stretch. Gotta get, get, get a walk away with that one. Uh, but this, our main, main feature... Uh, or our first feature, I suppose, is uh, the classic 1982, uh, usually kind of discussed now as a teen comedy. I'd say it's more of a coming-of-age movie. I, I kind of think of it as the Generation X touchstone teen film. Like, it, it, it is the Generation X teen experience. Yeah, um, um, teen comedy is what I expected when I, when I watched it. I was thinking... S- I was going to get something like, I don't know, like an 80s version of American Pie. And what I got was more like, well, more like an 80s version of, say, like a good teen movie mixed with something almost like eighth grade, like the more right. recent. Uh, the Bo Burnham film. Yeah. 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 Because it's very authentic. Uh, it well, And it is based mainly kind of on real people. Real, like this is written by people who remember high school. Well, it's written by people who were just out of high school, because this is Cameron Crowe, who uh, you've probably seen a bunch of his movies, right? Like uh, Almost Famous. Maybe. Do you know Almost Famous? Uh, Uh, That's another autobiographical one. (laughs) Uh, Oh, really? It was. Yeah. So Cameron Crowe, very interesting life. Uh, He in high school. So this movie is based on people he knew in high school for starters uh that explains why like they don't really feel they do fall into some tropes but they don't feel like tropey characters right like they they feel more like people and that they fall into tropes you know as much as people actual people fall into tropes which is like a bit but it's not their entire life right absolutely and you know some of this obviously is exaggerated uh because it is oh yeah you know, it it is a fictionalized version, and various things have been moved around. But you know, it's it's largely based on his own book about his own teen experience. And this was his first screenplay. This was before he started uh, directing films. And uh, he he, as a teen, was also like writing music reviews and going traveling with bands. So like he's sort of the main character in Almost Famous, which is sort of also based on him and his own experiences. Okay. Uh, and then he went on to be a very popular director. So like that one's him. Uh, he did Vanilla Sky, Say Anything. Oh, I haven't seen any of these, but I know all of them. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, Jerry Maguire. Cameron Crowe directed Jerry Maguire. <laughs> I'd say that's certainly I... his biggest best known thing. Uh, and infamously Elizabethtown. Which was just a, a huge failure, which is a movie about being a huge failure. Whole interesting uh, disaster. It's the oh, one where boy. Orlando Bloom designs a really bad sneaker and it just costs him his sneaker mogul career or whatever. And he goes <laughs> home to his hometown. How bad can that be? Is it going to be like the Homer mobile of shoes? It is basically that. Uh, he almost <laughs> tried. He, he, th- this movie he tries to commit suicide by weaponizing 
his exercise his his exercise with a knife uh and it doesn't come off and that's when he ends up like going back home and he encounters and it is a review of this movie that gave us the term manic pixie dream girl oh really oh okay. yeah okay so it is the definitive original specific one uh very bad movie uh but <laughs> fascinating in its badness uh, but th- this obviously fast times this is the beginning of the cameron crow cycle uh rather than sort of there where it kind of was just sort of a disaster for a while but uh, you know he's recovering from that i think he's still doing th- movies oh wow really yeah i mean he's he's sort of consistently doing movies that have just sort of been less critically acclaimed since then he's sort of uh i don't know i i like i have not kept up with much since then i don't think this is one of those directors then i guess i'm definitely familiar with all the movies but have not seen a single one of them prior to just now that's it's weird how there's there's a few of those oh sure like i i i'm sure i've seen pretty much everything of his from the 80s and 90s uh but they're escaping me right now what a lot of them are uh but he's a very interesting person and he's just a you know he's had a really fascinating life uh and i don't think any of the characters in this are based on him but they're clearly people that he does know and because you get a feel for who these characters are yeah yeah and it's helped it's helped by what an amazing cast this has like these are all people who are just on their way to become big stars yeah there's so many names i recognize like oh wow they're in this that person like uh forrest whitaker is in this uh sean penn you pointed out and i wouldn't have caught this uh nicholas coppola better known a, today a very young nicholas coppola the youngest person in the cast <laughs> Better known today as one Nicolas Cage. Yeah, uh, he he was he lied about his age. He was 17, uh, but he lied t- that he was older to get the part. Uh, and he was up for the role of Brad. Oh, my God. I'm just I'm trying to imagine Nick Cage as Brad. But for me, you, it's always. Do you know why they did not go with him? They thought he'd be too downbeat. <laughs> Must have been a different time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very weird. Uh, so wow. <laughs> I'm just imagining Nick Cage in the in the jer- in the jerking off scene, but like it's it's like like 60 year old Nick Cage, like circa Mandy or whatever. See, it's I just... picture him making one of the faces from uh, Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Am I getting through to you, customer? <laughs> so also, movie has a pretty great soundtrack. Like, mm-hmm. pretty kicking. Sometimes up and down, some of the choices are really crummy. Uh, I listened to the commentary track on this. It's sort of a vintage one with uh, both uh, Cameron Crowe and director Amy Heckerling. Uh, who uh, Amy Heckerling kind of a really interesting career as well kind of started out in the punk scene but uh, this was her first movie as well okay cool 
And uh, she went on to direct Clueless, I guess is probably her, her best known. And she did the Look Who's Talking movies in between. I remember those. Yeah. I think I remember. I watched them as a kid. I don't know if I liked them or not. Yeah, I do not remember because I distinctly remember the last time I watched them was in 1994. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. I was visiting a cousin on the mainland to get out of town during the Commonwealth Games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was probably at least that long since I saw them. At the time, I recall finding it too corny for me. And I was 11. So, I don't know. That sounds about <laughs> right. That sounds... That's about how I think I remember it. Yeah. Uh, so, the opening theme, though, is uh, We Got the Beat by the Go-Go's, which is pretty great. It's a mm-hmm. decent choice. It uh, definitely is one of the ones that works. And we open at what I feel is the main location of the movie, even though this is Fast Times at Ridgemont High. We open at Ridgemont Mall. Uh, And this does seem to be like the real primary location of the movie. And I I love that about it because it's the real cultural focus point. Mm -hmm. Everybody, uh, everybody's always no matter what else they've got going on, they're always doing it at the mall. Well, because everybody also works there. They've all got their jobs or their um, illicit activities that they do there. Right. <laughs> it, it's, it, it does sort of feel like a cultural flashpoint. It, it's sort of the, the creating document of the 80s teen mall culture. Because this is like 82. It's right around the time this is building up. This is sort of like distinctly California at the time where the mall was sort of the like pretty big uh and i mean this is the sherman oaks galleria which is an a legendary mall location in so many great movies when we got when we got the scene of the two girls walking home in the dark mall at night i was like i kept expecting a monster or a dangerous robot or a serial killer to jump out at them like max dad yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Uh, but yeah, like th- this is in Commando. It's in uh, just I, I, so many Chopping movies. Mall is Chopping Mall is, yeah, this is like the y- same year as Chopping Mall, maybe. Uh, there uh, is. We watched another movie. That yeah, also we watched takes... Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge, which we'll talk about later on in the third part a bit, uh, which, yeah, is. <laughs> the same location kind of very yep. recognizable oh yeah and so yeah this this sort of feels like the flashpoint of all of 80s teen mall culture it, it's a really good uh document of it right at the beginning of the 80s mm-hmm. and uh the first dialogue we get are a couple of our main characters we get phoebe cates and jennifer jason lee as linda and stacy uh they're the they're the 15-year-old high school girls that work at the pizza place. Yep. And they're talking about uh, – what are they talking about? They're talking about sex, basically. That's pretty much what they talk about. They're talking about cute boys. Cute boys, yes, that's it. And we see 
uh, Mike Damone, another of our main characters, who is scalping <laughs> Van Halen tickets. Uh, he does not like being called a scalper. But the, that is exactly what he is. This is literally what he's doing. It's his whole job. Uh, and he's just sort of loitering with the rat, Mark Ratner, who is uh, working the door at the movie theater. <laughs> Took me a while to figure out why he was called the rat. It shouldn't have. Well, I I don't think his full name comes up for quite a while. They just call him Rat. Yeah. And those are just how nicknames work in high school, you know? Oh, uh, totally. Exactly. And the Rat is into Stacy. Uh, Stacy Hamilton, played by Jennifer Jason Leigh. And uh, he can see her from across the mall at the theater he works at. And he's all like, oh, man, I wish I worked over there where the... In the fast food area where all the real action is, and it's like, no, nah, dude, you it's like, no, no, you really don't. And Damone is right on this too. He he is telling him that, and it's like, no, no, that you you have a good gig here. <laughs> Damone is he's a complicated character. He is exactly my best friend from high school. I um, like I knew several Damones for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I guess that's the thing, like so many of these characters are extremely recognizable as people that I knew, like not as archetypes, but it's like I knew someone just like this rather than, yeah, I know this character from movies. Yeah, yeah. Like I definitely knew a Brad or two. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, and so, yeah, that's Judge Reinhold as Brad Hamilton, the fry cook god. <laughs> he, is, he is so cool he he feels extremely uh powerful he, he's extremely cocky as a guy working at all-american burger <laughs> well he's working at the best fast food restaurant he is i can't remember the name of the place arnold is working at at the beginning that he is just sick of <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah. What's it called? It's, I think it's, it's not Bronco Burger. Bron- it is. It's Bronco Burger. Bronco Burger. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Get me. A, can you get me a job at uh, the All American Burger? I, I don't know why he likes this job so much. His boss is an asshole, and that's basically what determines if you like a job. But well, <laughs> I feel like he's probably just kind of a hands-off boss most of the time and doesn't exist until <laughs> we see him because that's sort of what it is. And although that's also a part of there kind of aren't adult characters in this movie. Like it's True. a very uh, kid POV the whole time. Not not like uh, child POV, but teen POV very strongly the whole time. Mm-hmm. No parents, uh, not a single parent ever seen. Nope. Uh, we see. I, th- I think we see the boss, a few bosses from like some of the different places that they work at. Yeah. We see two teachers. <laughs> and That's they're both it. great. Yeah, and that, that is pretty much it. Uh, although, th- actually, we do kind of see one uh, older guy because Stacy is picking him oh, up, uh, Mr. Ron yeah. Johnson. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. she. She picks him up. He's a customer at the pizza place, and she tells him she's 26, (laughs) (laughs) which I think is actually how old Jennifer Jason Lee was at the time making the movie. But oh oh, no, I thought he was 26. No, no, she said she's 26. Oh yeah, that's not believable. 
Yeah, she's 15. Uh, and it's not believable, but she legitimately was 26. She just looks very young. Oh, wow. Okay. So I, I, guess... I think something like that. Because huh. all of these right. are like th- these were all people in like their early twenties for the most they part, but they're so convincing. Look like yeah, it, it's not like it's not like Riverdale or um or, or Chris O'Donnell as fourteen year old. <laughs> yeah, Robin. as we discussed last week. <laughs> um, uh, how old is Robin supposed to be? Like I have he's no fourteen clue. usually. I don't know about that movie, but yeah, I mean, typically he he would be in like the the twelve to sixteen range. I feel like, uh, I guess, depending on the Robin. Well, yeah, that's true. They did. They they were they went through a couple. <laughs> they, he tore through <laughs> them at times. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it is amazing to think of Nicolas Cage potentially as Judge Reinhold, <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, the oh. opportunities for a Nick Cage freakout. Well, as well, because he would have been much younger. Uh, yeah. And Judge Reinhold is one of the... He he feels like one of the older people on set, and he was. Uh, and he, he I, I think him and Damone both. Yeah. He, well, Damone, I thought, was, was 20 and hanging out with... Uh, right, 20 except... And, he, he just is that age, but like they cast people who were a little bit older in those parts, so they felt like they were living older. Yeah, yeah, like he felt like a twenty-year-old who's just hanging out with a sixteen-year-old kid, and yeah, Brad feels like a twenty-year-old who's still in high school because it, it, you know, took him a, might might have taken him a few tries. Right. <laughs> Although <laughs> that, he... that's how they feel to me. He feels so cocky, though, and, and he's yeah, definitely he just living it. Like, yeah. Although I guess he's a senior, whereas um, uh, Stacy and Linda are juniors. Oh, true. Right, because it's it's his little sister is Stacy. Right. Yes. Uh, so we we get at All American Burger. We we meet Spicoli, Sean Penn. This is sort of the oh, breakout is, performance of the movie. This is sort of the one that was really iconic. Uh, I see, is, saw so many clips of this. This, I feel, was a heavy inspiration for Bart Simpson. This is like the stoner character. Yeah, it's stoner and, and also, surfer. Yeah, the stoner surfer guy. Um, like like the Bill and Ted. Yeah, the Bart Simpson. His his whole story arc is basically that one Simpsons episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where, where Bart gets an F and he has to actually learn the subject. Bart gets an F or something like early, yeah, like yeah. season two, I think, oh, maybe even season one. Season one, I'm sure, or early, or yeah, no, it could be two. Definitely first two. Uh, yeah, definitely no later than that, because it, it still had like the wonky animation. The tears were weird, which mm-hmm. is why I'm thinking it 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 may have even been number season one, but. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. uh, it, it totally is that episode. The he, yeah. he has the whole arc, and he, you know, we'll we'll get to that, of course. Uh, but I, he's very lovable. Uh-huh. Uh, he's he's kind of oblivious, but like sweet and lovable. Uh, so he rolls in with all of his surfer dudes to All American Burger, and they all immediately take their shirts off. <laughs> Instantly. <laughs> Uh, notably, one of the surfer dudes, one of his surfer buds is Eric Stoltz. 
just a oh. very tiny role, but he was up for the Spicoli role as well. And they just like, well, we'll just give him, the, we'll make him one of the buds instead. Might as well. I mean, yeah. and all the, the appearance of all these buds had me thinking that there was going to be a lot more characters than there actually was. Like I thought all of the stoner kids and all of Brad's older buddies were going to, we're going to also have story arcs. And I'm like, Oh, right. this is going to be, but I also thought there weren't going to be story arcs and it was just going to be like, just like just random scenes of things that happened to these people through the year in high school. And I was kind of, I was kind of right about the second part and wrong about the first part. Cause that <laughs> would have been too many characters. It would have been, it would have been like high school Nashville. And, and that, that just wouldn't have been, feasible because like the studio was very worried about this movie like this was the era of porkies they just wanted a teen exploitation movie <laughs> they thought this was going to ruin the studio really this is like um, this is, yeah this movie is completely iconic it was very successful yeah. but at the time it was controversial like it was it it was uh like when they were putting it out they almost had an x rating well i get it considering the standards of the time yeah because it's but, so honest about it but it's like no yeah, we can't it's have like, an it's x not, rating because we we're trying to get to a teen audience this is who yeah, we made this movie it's for like, and also like it's not it's it's not sexy sex no exactly. if that makes any sense well i mean it's not glamorous actually, yeah yeah no it's just it's totally unglamorous it's not nostalgic the, the only sex scenes that actually happen or yeah they're not <laughs> They don't glorify it. They yeah, don't well, make it seem nice. The, the key element of this movie is that it is completely not nostalgic about high school. Yeah, there is zero presence of nostalgia. It is made by someone who has just finished it and has a very clear memory of exactly what it was like. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I went to this high school, even though I, because it feels like how I remember my high school experience even though I, uh, I I was the theater usher kid. Oh wow, yeah. But I I didn't get to go out with uh, Stacy. Right. That there there was this whole <laughs> story. So uh, the Brad of course makes them all put their shirts back on. They have the no shirt, no shoes, no dice. Oh, what a bummer, man. <laughs> <laughs> but but he's like nice about it like come yeah. on guys don't, well, they, they all don't know make, each other yeah yeah they all go to the same school yeah yeah th and, this is like one of those small towns too isn't it where everybody knows each other uh yeah because i, I guess think. this is supposed to be like a small the town of ridgemont so it's like sort of a, a some sort of california suburb right oh, okay that's that's definitely the feeling i get hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm not totally sure uh, where it. No, no, it's Arizona. I'm pretty sure it's Arizona because there are pennants somewhere. No, maybe I'm oh. thinking. You know what? I th I think I'm thinking of Phantom of the Mall here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think it's California, but just you know, Ridgemont, California. I, it's sort of a fictional location, but I don't know sure, where sure. Cameron Crow grew up. Probably California, maybe. <laughs> That sounds accurate. I should know because yeah. <laughs> I used to, I like, I have seen all his movies and listened to commentary tracks on all of them. I know a lot about the dude, but uh, it's all down the memory hole right now. 
got to revisit them. Uh, so we, we see Linda and Stacy leaving the mall after close and they're sort of talking about sex and losing virginity. And this is where you get the scene where I think they're going to get jumped by uh, like Michael Myers. Because this is the scary mall, and yeah. it's dark. Nothing of the yeah. sort happens. There's no, nothing like that. Yeah, because it's a very realistic movie, and you know those things happen, but those are, you know, not those are big dramas, and this is sort of just everyday dramas. Yeah. And and we yeah. we get uh, Linda uh, Phoebe Cates, who is amazing, very uh, radiant in this movie. Just <laughs> uh, she has. The very infamous and iconic uh, nude scene later on. Uh, but I think notably her whole thing about her fiance in Chicago. So my theory on this is this is the boyfriend in Canada situation. Oh, ab- absolutely. Um, there's especially, well, especially at the end when, spoiler alert, he sends a letter or phones her or whatever and says he can't come to the dance with her. Yes. And she's all like broken up, but feels like fake broken up, you know? Yeah. And I feel like her story keeps changing, too. (laughs) Uh, Like he has different jobs and like she definitely catches her in a lie at one point when they're having the pool party. But. They're talking about sex and losing virginity, and uh, Linda is making like she's an expert on it. I don't feel like she is. I do not feel that way either. I think she's probably read some things. She's probably (laughs) well well up on Cosmo. Oh, Uh, definitely. For sure. Yeah, as they are reading when they're uh, at the pool earlier, uh, later on before the boys show up. But yeah, I totally think it's a boyfriend in Canada situation. Just <laughs> not existent. Totally a fancy. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, you know, that that clip of uh, <laughs> Frakes <laughs> didn't happen. Not real. Fiction. <laughs> no. Wrong. Nope. Wrong. So we get our first day of school chaos. Uh, and this is one of the more exaggerated sequences. Everybody's toilet toilet papering the school. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Rat's locker is somehow unbelievably full of gum. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, this is what you do at the last day of school, not the first day. They're going to make you clean that shit up. Yeah, I guess the idea is that it's been left that way since, you know, he he was there in uh, oh, the spring, I suppose. Yeah, I, I I was thinking about the toilet papering. Well, yes, that is just absurd. I I don't get why that would be happening on the first day of school, but maybe yeah, it no. did at that time. Uh, well, who knows? Maybe we our school, the seniors on the first day would always just run laps around the school hallways and wouldn't really classes Interesting. so it could be that that was a thing it could be uh we, we see brad with his super cool car <laughs> of course he has a cool car although all these teenagers do it makes me mad it's like a nice vintage car and this is sort of the that interesting period where you could get a pretty nice vintage car when you're just like working a fry cook job oh yeah because capitalism hadn't quite 
gotten its full stranglehold on um, on the souls of all of us yet. Still, well, it was still working on it. Yeah, it, it's it's just. It's just like just the pre-Reaganomics era. Things are sort of weird. The boomers are kind of just taking control of the economy, and it's sort of humming along. And they're uh, – it's sort of one of the main themes of this movie, and uh, Cameron Crowe talks about that in the commentary track, how his whole concept for it was that it's this weird accelerated childhood that – uh, everyone was living at this time because uh, they had all of the same financial and sexual frustrations of an adult, but they're still in high school. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so like accelerated both by economics and culture, but like, you know, everybody has to have a job. So they have to have, so they can pay for their cars. They can pay for gas so they can pay for music. So they can pay for, you know, all, all of that stuff. Yeah, I I had a fry cook job as my first job too. Me I, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't as cool as Brad. Uh and no. I didn't like it as much as he liked his. But my boss was more or less the same guy. Oh yeah, I think every fry cook boss is the same guy. What is up with that? How come there's only like one person who ever becomes a fast food manager? <laughs> I mean, it's a type, you know, it's a weird career. It's, it's a tough one. Yeah, I guess. I mean, like you have to deal with teenagers all of the time. That would drive most people crazy. I couldn't do it. <laughs> imagine got like, a point. You yeah, a imagine point. being an adult and your job is working with a whole bunch of people who it's their very first job and they're all very hormonal teenagers who are all just off the wall. Uh, and that's that's like most fry cook uh, manager jobs, and I wouldn't want to do that. Although, <laughs> as the manager, I have the power the manager, to hire you know. people who aren't yeah. that. Oh, but you're not going to get How adults you at your that? job. Oh, but you do if you pay yeah. them enough. But oh, but then, oh, but the money though. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the the, um, the thing with the fingers the, means the money. The fingers means the money. <laughs> I was literally doing that with my fingers. How did you even? Oh, the mental link. Uh, uh, so yes, we we also see Forrest Whitaker, an incredibly young Forrest Whitaker, as Charles Jefferson with his even cooler car. Him. Oh, yeah, so oh, young. He has, the, he has the best car. That it, it's objectively the best car by everybody's Beautiful. metric in the movie. Gorgeous Firebird. Uh, my mom. Don't had. fuck with it. <laughs> my my mom had a yellow firebird like that when i was really young and it was the Ooh. coolest uh and of course we see spicoli and his stoners drive up in a volkswagen van and fall out of it in a cloud of weed smoke which they mentioned in the commentary track was real <laughs> i love that because like they didn't have, this was their only scene that day and it's like we and like uh Sean Penn is incredibly method. Like he was only addressed as Jeff Spicoli, uh, even at home for the duration of this. Oh, uh, shoot. shoot. So he really could not hear people if they didn't knock. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would assume so. But yeah, he was extremely <laughs> method right from the beginning. Well, if I was going to play that character. I'd use that excuse to be method too. I mean, that would be kind of fun, right? And this is a fun a... character to be method of. Oh yeah, for sure. 
you know, it's it's not like being a lot of other characters. You don't want to be the Joker that method because that's a criminal. This guy's just kind of a fun stone dude. Yes. <laughs> There's a real sweetness to Spicoli. Like he he has one hard F uh, later that uh, is is not great, but like it, it's incredible how well this film has aged. It's it's weird because I've heard a lot of people talk trash about it that it's sort of negative or too sexualized or something. But it's like this is just an so. authentic document. This like, is not far off what the teen experience was when I was a teen in the nineties. Do people like did do you just for do these people just forget after well, they turned twenty what high school was like? Like well, compare yeah, it to it's eighth grade. This. Yeah. Eighth grade yeah. is the current version of that experience, and it is kind of different because things have sort of we don't have the free range childhood that they used to. Oh yeah, it's it's a very different movie. Even we were the last ones. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Like we're we're elder millennials and <laughs> we were the last ones who had the free range childhood and so the the eighth grade is sort of this version of that and so it's it's there a lot of people looking at it looking at this from that standpoint of uh, the much more desexualized way of doing things but is there's sort of the whole weird internet component uh, and I don't know that. That's also just really weird accelerated history in this period of time, and it's hard to bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this is totally recognizable to me as like just a, an authentic youth by youth document. Yeah. Uh, although we do have a couple really fun adult characters, and the first of them we meet <laughs> is Mr. Hand, played by the great Ray Winstone. Mr. Hand. <laughs> this guy. I had a teacher uh, like him. <laughs> I, I, I think I had a couple. <laughs> uh, like, not quite as extreme, obviously. You know, it's it's a character, so it's a little bit yeah. exaggerated. But I'd completely had a, had a teacher. And, yeah, he was a history teacher uh, who was just like this guy. And, yeah, the no eating thing is his mm-hmm. first big deal. And Spicoli arrives late to class. And so we have. <laughs> there are first encounters. teacher. Oh, he does not allow it. And, you know, they, they get into uh, confrontation. Of course, Spicoli does not realize it's a confrontation. <laughs> He's such a yeah. friendly and easygoing dude. Yeah. He's just like, hey, man, this is my class. It's like, what are you doing here? I don't know why he doesn't he didn't talk like that. <laughs> but like finally he he tears up his his hall pass or whatever. It's like you dick. Which is an excellent delivery. Yeah, oh yeah. It's real good. Just the way he says it. It's just a great first uh confrontation between these characters because the two of them sort of bristling against each other and growing to uh, appreciate one another over the course of the movie is one of its sweeter elements. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost like that that Mr. Feeney, what's his name, Boy Meets World relationship. Uh, I, I want to say Eric Matthews, because this came up when we were watching Phantom of the Mall on the weekend, because that's the main character's name in that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
so we get the lunchtime sequence uh, where, where uh, Linda and uh, Linda and Stacy, Linda and Stacy are oh, with the carrots. Yeah, they we, they do a blowjob practice with carrots, uh, and everyone applauds. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also like them looking around. It's like, hey, uh, someone, so and so, is it really doing the Pat Benatar thing? And uh, Linda's like, yeah, there are three girls at Ridgemont who've cultivated the Pat Benatar look, and we do like a pan and see three girls who are just all variations of that one. Let's get physical music video. Yep. <laughs> I think came out in '81, so very good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I also really like her line when she says, how much comes out? Quart or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, oh, man, I cackled at that part. <laughs> Very good line. Uh, and excellent delivery. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Vargas, the biology teacher, possibly my favorite, the incomparable Vincent Chiavelli. This guy is so weird i love um, him so much he's in so much stuff uh there's just those incredible eyes <laughs> yeah that that's i was like i know i've seen this guy because of the eyes and just how like long his face is i'm pretty sure he's in batman returns he might be the penguin's dad oh wow oh you know yeah it could be I'm trying to remember. He's in so much stuff. But he is Mr. Vargas, the biology teacher. And he's like, I switched to Sanka today, so have a heart. <laughs> uh, he, he loves organs. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he has <laughs> human just, organs. He, he has so many jars of just crazy pickled things with like yep. multiple heads. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Rat tells Damone that he's in love with Stacy, and we get some backstory of Rat's romantic past. <laughs> oh, um... <laughs> the, the last summer, he there was this girl he was into who was working at the photo mat. So he, he, he just got a lot of pictures developed or bought a lot of film or something. And just bought a lot of it. film because he didn't have a camera. Yeah, and he, he never did. worked himself up to actually talking to her at any point. Yeah, so he just bought a lot of film, and I've, I've done that. Yeah, and so Damone has his dentist system that he's going to inform him on. <laughs> so this character, like, I think it's hilarious because the first few scenes with him, I was like, this guy kind of reminds me of Dennis from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And then he's like, starts saying... I got a five point system to get all the girls. And I'm like, oh, my fucking God. The Timon system yeah. demonstrates uh, <laughs> demon, demonstrate value, uh, establish dependency, make her wonder if you came. <laughs> uh, and that's as far as it goes. Yeah, it just kind of ends prematurely somehow. Uh, but, like, I, I will say this for Damone. He is into pretty cool music. Uh, oh, just yeah. The posters in his room are awesome. We got, like, Devo and Elvis Costello and notably a cool 
deep cut suburban lawns. Just some awesome early new wave stuff. Cool. And he's I actually got wasn't that, paying that much attention. Oh yeah. He he's got that early new wave look too. Like very cultivated. You know, he's got the tie, he's got, you know, the skinny tie and the uh the the checkered the the checkered uh vans. Yeah. So this is also where we get our first extremely unglamorous sex scene. <laughs> ah, yeah. This one's this one's uncomfortable. They're all uncomfortable, but this one's uncomfortable. Well, there's, there's, I think just the two. Uh, there's they're, just the two. They're both involving Stacy. They're both very uncomfortable. Uh, uh, yep. So she sneaks out to meet this Ron Johnson guy, and they, they have sex in a baseball dugout. Yeah, and, and he actually asks her like, "How old did you say you were again?" Yeah, because he. <laughs> He is having a hard time believing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, she is uh, very insistent on it, and is like, "All right." Uh, All right. Like... The scene was super controversial at the time. I well, yeah. It's, I mean, you see, you see boob. It's and it is supposed to be fifteen-year-old boob. So yeah. Although not in reality. Not actually, but yeah. Uh, but yeah I, I thought it was. I was like, this is. Right, yeah. Comfortable. And it's 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 unpleasant. Like it really goes into the details of her experience. We see the bare light. Uh we we see the shitty graffiti like disco sucks and surf Nazis. The graffiti in this movie is so good. Superb. Uh, <laughs> all of it like it's it's not just random graffiti. It's all there intentionally. I Again, Simpsons, right? It it feels like Simpsons sign gags in the background. Very nice to see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing that sucks about this scene, uh, Somebody's Baby by Jackson Brown. Bad song. I don't like it at all. Mm. Really crummy yeah. song. But that plays over yeah. this scene and the other further sex scene. Uh, the uh, Amy Heckerling on the commentary also mentions that she doesn't like this song and didn't want it in the movie. It just kind of got forced on them. There, there was a oh. lot of music that they just could not get. Oh. And like, you know, music rights and everything. And this was, yeah. this was like Record her first film. To, well. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. they, they kind of forced like half of the soundtrack on them and half of it was like what they wanted. So it's, it's sort of up and down at times. That's, that explains something. Like, there's eagles in there, which is, ugh, you don't want the eagles. Uh, and uh, she don't let my mom hear you say that. She specifically calls it as like, I'm, and I didn't really want to make a movie with the fucking eagles on the soundtrack, but <laughs> here we are. Because oh. she's, you know, like she she was into the punk scene. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I I I dig how anti-nostalgic this is. Like, this is not something that's romanticizing the first time and oh that yeah no experience it's, but it's also not like it's it's not like grossifying it either it's, it's no. just making it like you know normal gross yeah it's just it's not a lot of fun it, it's 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 just kind of like this is sort of what it's like and what it was like at that time uh yeah and then there's sort of the humorous scene the next morning where she gets just this gigantic bouquet of roses from him. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, right. And, and she's like, and Brad's like, hey, 
Dirt. Who's Ron Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like, get rid of these for me, please. So Brad, brilliant guy that he is, does get rid of the roses. He's a smart guy. He gives them to his girlfriend, Lisa. <laughs> Although he is already at this point, he's talking about dumping Lisa to uh, Arnold. Oh, Ar- Arnold's uh, the... The spaz guy. Yeah, yeah. The, the guy who was previously at Bronco Burger. And so it's it's his first day at work, I guess. OK, yeah, yeah. He's he's talking about how he's he's dumping. He's thinking about dumping Lisa because they've been going together for two years and it's a senior year, man. And he's got this be could be free. the best year of my life. When <laughs> <laughs> he says a bunch of times. Uh, yeah, and, he stops saying that after a while. <laughs> yeah, things start to go wrong. Well, there, there's a specific scene where there, it's sort of a break there for him. But yeah. I, I think specifically it's because she's waiting for marriage to have sex. Oh, I, I actually didn't know why. Because like, or I, it, I it's the why. same scene uh, that that he goes to talk to her because like she works there too, uh, and. He's talking about like we we could go up to you know make out point or whatever. He's like, what's oh yeah, there to she's do like, there? what's there to do at make out point? And he's like, well, oh, you know, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. kind of what I'm feeling is probably guiding that. That's sort of um, like what's bubbling in the background there. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, so we get our next Mr. Hand and Spicoli scene. Mr. Hand <laughs> passing out homework. F. 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 <laughs> and then he turns around and realizes Spicoli just isn't there. <laughs> <sighs> oh, is this the one where like Spicoli shows up and he's like, why do you insist on coming late to every class? Yeah. And he he's eating, which is not allowed. And he's got a bagel just like stuffed into the crotch of his pants. pants. <laughs> just incredible. <laughs> Like, I, not like in a that, pocket, just stuffed down the front of his pants. Such an incredible choice. Like, <laughs> that, that's so amazing. Uh, <laughs> a bagel tucked into the front of his pants. I, yeah. uh, incredible. And, yeah, they have this, you know, why do you shamelessly waste my time? And he has a really long pause, like a good three or four beats. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> And Mr. Hand is like, I don't know. He writes it on the blackboard in huge letters. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll leave it for all of my classes and I'll be sure to credit it to you. Like, all right. <laughs> it's like, well, are you going to pass this class? I don't know. Are you going to make something out of your life? I don't know. Uh, you know, the class is being entertained. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, we get a lot of just sudden flash forwards in this movie. I think at this point, suddenly it's Christmas. And we we only are really signaled to that because we see Santa being peed on. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yeah, right. The, the ball Santa with the little kid just pisses on him. Yeah, you you just see a lot of wetness on Santa's knee. And Santa's like, ah, oh, fuck, or or something like that. Yeah, and and so we see like 
Charles Jefferson, you know, Forrest Whitaker, trying to get Earth, Wind, and Fire tickets from Damone. He wants to take his brother to see it. Yeah, his his little brother, who is friends with uh, Spicoli. Yeah, hmm. <laughs> and we learn that, like, I think, like, again, I think Whitaker is a senior and uh, Spicoli is a junior. Would be a, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we we also learn that Stacy has soured off of Ron. Well, Ron stopped calling, I think, is what happened at first. Maybe like or, I, or she stopped calling. Well, him. I think she was a little concerned about, you know, the roses and stuff. And just this is not something that she can broach with her parents in any way. Oh, if, well, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. not. It's just not really a feasible relationship long term. So she's kind of off that. And Rat still hasn't approached her by this point. But like Damone finally talks him up to it here. Yeah. So it's about Christmas time. Yeah, he's talking about how Rat's got to have the attitude. Right. Uh, uh, he's Damone sucks, but he, at least this is a cool line. Oh, I wish I had written it down. It's like where you don't matter if she leaves, stays. Uh, lays I think or it's praise. I think it lays, praise, stays, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, and. He's convinced. He 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 goes over and he just like has this uh, very transparent ploy of asking if maybe there's like a jacket that's if they had a lost and found for jackets and they have just this huge box of lost jackets. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, he's uh, like, I don't really want to look through that. This was just a ploy. <laughs> like he doesn't admit that it's a ploy. And he's like, I'll just buy a new one. Listen, can I get your phone number? <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> and he gets it because she is yeah. kind of into him. Yeah, she is. Uh, in Actually, terms of, yeah, no, she totally is at first. Yeah, she totally is. He just kind of blows it the first time. Well, it, it goes all I, wrong. It, it's a bad yeah, It just goes wrong. It's just a bad. <laughs> it's a classic it's a bad, bad high school time. Fight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we see Brad cleaning big hairy pussy graffiti off a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> While he practices his speech to Lisa to break up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I really like just that this speech is later echoed back to him a little bit later. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I love that part. Uh, but this is where things go sour for Brad because Arnold comes in and has him take over on Till for him. Yeah, he's really got to go to the bathroom. You know how yeah. it is. Of course. Yeah. And. There's just the worst customer, just a total douchebag. Say the worst. He's, no, he's about average bad. He's a bad customer. Just he's a bad a, customer. A, an extremely annoying customer who wants a refund and won't like pause for a moment or just like take the slightest second. Is like I just need to get this form. Yeah, like I, I've been. <laughs> I've, it, we've all been there. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, we'll give you your refund. We just bosses make us do all this fucking paperwork to get it done. And it's like, no, give it to me now. You won't give me your refund. It's like, yes, I will, but I just gotta do. Like, we've all been there. It says hundred percent guaranteed. And finally, <laughs> Brad's like, if you don't shut up, I'll kick hundred percent of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <sighs> 
And of and course, here's where the manager runs out. Finally. Yeah. Uh, and he, of course, does not stand behind him, and Brad gets fired. Even though he's employee of the month, we can even see it in you the same shot. You can see it in the same frame. The, yes. And, and you know that, like, the entire hallway is just pictures of him for employee of the month. He's the big shot here. He's, like, he, he's in charge of hiring. He's, mm-hmm. yeah. This is also the scene where we do see Nick Cage. He's he's one of the guys working uh in the back he's he's one of the oh. kitchen guys at all american burger <laughs> uh so yeah he's he is fired yep, yep. Uh, and he's, his he's a great job super great job uh the the best fast food place in town uh the the one that everybody hangs out with, at yeah that you know that's that's what it is that's why it's the great one yeah uh <laughs> so i hope you had a hell of a piss arnold <laughs> Yeah, Arnold just like is about to come out of the bathroom and then he sees what's going on and just closes the door. I mean, I get it. That too. Yeah. Uh, We we have Spicoli's surfing dream sequence. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's like the number one top surfer and he's got like all the babes and like whatever the hot supermodels of the time are. Right. Uh, and he is woken from it by Curtis, his little brother. Dad says you're going to be late again, you butthole. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the things I've, I've noticed that anytime a parent should be present, they always just communicate through an otherwise non-character of a little brother or sister. Or at least at least in Spicoli's case. Because, yeah, like it's you always say, there's, Curtis. There's no parents. Yeah. yeah. There, there is a dad supposedly in the house, but every communique is sent through Curtis. Uh, yeah. And I really like the Curtis uh, Jeff dynamic. <laughs> it is very fun. Yeah. A very authentic uh, brother dynamic. Like, I can't yeah. hear you if you don't knock Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> he gets out. I said knocks. that more if the Nicolas Cage version had existed, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, wait, that wasn't even Spicoli. That was Brad. Anyway, uh, we, we also get that scene with the cheer squad. We're not the spirit bunnies anymore, guys. Oh, yeah, that was. I don't remember what that was about, to be honest, because it didn't connect did with cheer... anything. It was just a thing. Just a cheerleader having an emotional breakdown in front of the whole school because <laughs> people are not supporting them enough. Uh, but notably, this is the scene where Lisa and Brad are in the bleachers and she dumps him with the speech he was rehearsing just before he got fired. Oh, yeah. Brad's having a bad day. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Poor Brad. And we we see uh, Damone and Rat giving more dating advice. This actually, I think, is where he gives that line uh, because they're at Licorice Pizza in the mall and interestingly now because that's you know the the there's a movie called licorice pizza based on that that just came out this year new uh uh pt anderson oh wow okay yeah, yeah. I, I really got to see that soon and he also advises uh put on side one of led zeppelin four fall else, fall else. <laughs> uh, is it here where we smash cut to them in the car 
Yeah, and they are listening to Led Zeppelin, but it's not Led Zeppelin 4. It's physical graffiti. I want to say, like, side two. It's cashmere. It's so loud. It's just completely booming. <laughs> I, now, I don't know the song that or the, the album that he is referencing. Led Zeppelin 4? Uh, yeah. Let's see. That's got rock and roll, I think, is the opener. Hmm. You know, been a long time since you rock and roll. Oh, yeah. Uh, Okay. I'd say Black Dog, uh, maybe Misty Mountain Hop. Uh, oh. Yeah, it's it's yeah you know, it's it's a good rock and first side. It, it's sort yeah. of the the classic Led Zeppelin album, like the the number one most beloved, I'd say. But Cashmere is a good like you know classic cut. It's just it's much less of a party. It's very heavy and doomy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it notably became. Uh, the, it's the one that uh, Puff Daddy uh, song take. Oh, <laughs> song song <laughs> he, took. I mean, he he sampled it. He he got Jimmy Page to play on the track. To be fair, but yeah, for the well, Godzilla okay, soundtrack. A, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't remember what that song was originally. I was like, the Puff Daddy song, but it's <laughs> not Puff Daddy, is it? cashmere yeah okay okay so this one is cashmere but yeah uh come with me from the godzilla soundtrack is puff daddy featuring jimmy page uh jimmy page y'all one time uh (laughs) so they get to the restaurant uh this cool german restaurant very heavily themed but rat has forgotten his wallet (laughs) right right so he can't just he can't just drive back to his house and get it. So he has to get uh, Damone to of drive to Rat's house and get the wallet and bring it to him because that's a much more reasonable plan. Because he can't just admit that, hey, I forgot my wallet. Can you stay here while I just really quickly do this? Instead, let's no just chance. stay here awkward, awkwardly while we An wait order. for this so much yeah. food uh we wait for maybe the second most unreliable guy in the school yeah damone we we see him just like watching leave it to beaver and he's like no i'm really busy <laughs> <laughs> he's very uninterested in doing it and he shows up so much later and we we definitely see right away that stacy is kind of into him oh into damone yes yeah we yes. we she she likes his vibe he shows up and he's very loose and you know it, it's the dentist system working on her because it's exactly what he's saying he's not interested in her girl <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah yep. i mean yeah he even though he actually does go to high school with them <laughs> he just does feel like yeah. he's that 20 year old guy hanging out uh yeah yeah I, I also like the detail that Rat's tape deck gets stolen from the car while they're <laughs> stuck in there all that time. Yep. <laughs> like, just like, like oh, they're okay. driving back in silence, so which is a, an interesting <laughs> contrast. He's like, I'm sorry your tape deck got stolen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she invites him in, but he uh, he freaks. <laughs> he does come in. Yep. They they start to kiss, but he makes 
he doesn't really make an excuse. He sort of like reels off a bunch of words that sort of are adjacent to excuses. He basically is just like, I gotta go. Yeah. Essentially. And Stacy kind of gets the impression that he's just uninterested in her rather than that he's just horribly awkward. Yeah, which, yeah, you know, I could see it either way, but she's young. She doesn't know how young, how dumb young boys are. Very neurotic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, she's just, I, I totally get it. The, that she kind of takes that from it because the, the neuros- neurosis would be on both sides. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, oh, he totally sure. rejected me. So, you know, she, the, yeah, that would I, be... I had my clothes off and everything. And he's just like, nope. Bye. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we see Spicoli driving stoned with uh, Jefferson's little brother in Jefferson's, in Jefferson's rad firebird. Driving like a fucking moron. Just a total maniac weaving between cars, driving like between them, like between two lanes. Yeah, yeah, like on the yellow. Yeah. And of course, (laughs) he crashes. (laughs) They they, like they plow through a construction site and the car's pretty wrecked up. Doesn't Spicoli just say, like, I can fix it, man? I can fix it. My dad's got like the best tools, you know? Uh, I think he's he's like a a washing machine repairman or something. I can't remember what he says he does. And the little brother's like, first he's going to shit, then he's going to kill us. (laughs) (laughs) And they do come up with a plan. Yeah, so we cut to the, the hype for the big football game. The big game. The big game. Lincoln, Lincoln High, their their Ooh, rival Lincoln, high school. The rival high school. They've got slogans like "Assassinate Lincoln." They've got all these "Assassinate Lincoln" buttons and "Kill Lincoln" <laughs> shirts, t-shirts. Uh, there, there's this one part where you see Spicoli with uh cargo shorts on with like 50 "Assassinate Lincoln" buttons on them. It's <laughs> really cool. Yeah. <laughs> And of course, they use Jefferson's car. They spray paint, you know, Lincoln slogans on it and just wreck it up on the, like, the, the school steps. Yeah. Uh, notably, uh, they, they put Lincoln kills. Uh, Lincoln uh, kills. In the same, oddly same font as the Nazi kills uh, spray paints that you've been seeing around. Mm, I wonder who might be doing that. <laughs> El Spicolo. <laughs> right? Like, th- this does definitely seem to me like a fundamental Bart Simpson document. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You know, when I was young and they had, like, the the concept photo of what El Barto looked like, I thought oh, yeah. El Barto actually was a different person who spray-painted all oh. this who happened to look like Bart. <laughs> I didn't get it. <laughs> Although eventually we fallible. there is a point <laughs> Which, where we do see him spray painted himself. Oh yeah. So I want to say maybe in the scene where he jumps the gorge. I'm not sure. I think so. Oh, maybe even in Bart the Genius. Because like, isn't that the it's one where pretty... he gets kicked out of school for spray painting? Oh, probably. And that's like it's pretty early like, on. Too. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. 
so we get to the big game and Jefferson is the lead quarterback and he's just demolishing all of the Lincoln players. <laughs> I, I like to think that they just ran out of players and Ridgemont won the game that way. You do see a lot of them going out on stretchers, like over and over again. He's just destroying them. Uh, and it's a complete blowout. They win 42 to zero. <laughs> He didn't get his car fixed, though, or any any compensation whatsoever for that. So, you know, it's not really doesn't really solve the problem. No, it just redirects the anger to someone who doesn't really deserve it. But it it's does. Lincoln and they suck. So who cares? And, you know, he does get the big, huge blowout, big football game glory. Oh, yeah. He, he got he won the big game. That is the sort of thing on in a small town that you can live on for the rest of your life. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can like it doesn't even matter if you just become a shoe salesman as long as you won the big game. <laughs> but like he could now become the coach at this high school that that could be his job now. It's open to him. I feel. <laughs> oh, true, true, true. We, we see that Brad is now working at Captain Hook's. Oh. He has this horrible uniform that he has to wear. Yeah, it's this terrible pirate costume. It's not a good pirate costume. It is a bad mm. pirate costume. It's it is unfortunate. And this is where we get the famous slash infamous pool sequence, which is it's super iconic. Yeah. And it gets it gets together a lot of our characters all in one place. And it's sort of a flashpoint. It's really important uh, to sort of where everything goes going forward. This is probably about the first time we see all of our main or most of our main characters interact with each other, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's uh, Linda and Stacy are, you know, backyard pool uh, at, at uh, Stacy's house. And they're reading Cosmo, of course. Mm-hmm. And Rat and Damone show up and just sort of invite themselves in, and you know they're they're into it yeah, because yeah. Stacy is into uh, Damone and Rat is into Stacy. I don't know. Phoebe obviously has her uh, Chicago fiance. Sh- yeah, Chicago <laughs> fiance, but I don't know. I got a suspicion she might be into someone. Oh, maybe. I, I, I can't remember who. But I I, I well, felt like she was into someone around she does, here. She does actually kind of suggest that she thinks Brad is cute. Mm, yeah. Well. Although she also <laughs> mentions that she thinks uh, Brad seems uh, really uh, down since he he had to switch since jobs. Yeah. Um, it's like he never yeah. stops to talk anymore. Yeah, that whole shitty job depression i yeah i mean that's totally recognizable it's like oh i got a shitty job i don't want to talk to anyone or do anything i don't know what that's like at all i hmm. (laughs) so so brad shows up and he goes inside but like we see kind of immediately he opens a window and he's looking at linda and we get yep. a very famous fantasy sequence to uh the cars moving in stereo I've seen this parodied infinity times, you know? Yeah. It's it's like it plays like a cologne commercial. We have like all of these sprinklers. It's in slow-mo. It's a totally different visual style from the rest of the movie. 
Uh, notably, we we uh, have Phoebe Cates opening uh, the the bra or the the swimsuit top, which is like just that moment is so heavily copied. I think oh, I've seen in... this on the Venture Brothers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, it, it's in like everything. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing about this fantasy is that he's got this really nice suit on in it. Where <laughs> <laughs> in reality is wearing like I think the pirate costume is made out of like the cheap plastic that those really shitty Halloween kids costumes were made out of. Most likely, I mean, Which definitely would be the hat. Super dangerous to work in the in a fast food kitchen with, but oh, yeah, it, it tracks. Cool. Yeah, sure. It tracks. They would absolutely make you do it. Well, I don't think he works in the kitchen. He's the waiter because there's that part where we see him taking the order from those weird twin brothers. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Who just aren't actually into seafood at all and decide to leave. Uh, But (laughs) actually, that might be just before this. And and then this is when he comes home and just there's all this. Oh, yeah, right. He's like, could you keep it down? I've got some work to do. Oh. But then, you know, he's he is masturbating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. And then <laughs> uh, Linda goes in to, like, get something out of her eye uh, and walks in on him. Walks in on him. <laughs> the worst. It's the worst. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it comes yeah. to the next day and we see Stacy is obviously into Damone now. She's doodling in her notebook about him <laughs> yeah uh mrs stacy damone <laughs> uh, and stuff like that uh, uh, this is where spicoli has pizza delivered to history class that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> so the teacher here is like <laughs> it's like yeah the pizza guy's like i'm here to deliver pizza sir and the teacher's just like, lets him in for some reason. It's like, all right. <laughs> He's like, well, I'll, I'll let this play out. And, you know, Spicoli obviously has, obviously. has done it. Although, in real life, it was a different character. Can you guess oh. which character? I want to say... Brat. No, Dakota. Dakota? Yeah. Who? Who? Or no, Demond. Oh, I keep wanting to say, I keep thinking it's Dakota. I don't know uh, why. It was the rat. Really? Yeah. Hmm. It was actually the rat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, ballsy move. I, I guess that's why they, they give it. It felt more like a Spicoli move for this movie. It well, fits it more really with does. the arc of the character. And, and yes. the whole Mr. Hand thing. Yes, exactly. Because Mr. Hand has the perfect reaction. Because, you know, see, Spicoli was nice enough to get pizza for the whole class. Yeah. Or, well, you know, the ones with the best grades, I guess. Yeah, he he chooses who gets to have some pizza. And then he takes the last slice for himself. Of course. I mean, it's his class. Oh, man. <laughs> and you it's can't his time. Do this, man. Yep. Yep. After all, you wouldn't like it if he came to your house and started teaching U.S. history on your time. Would I mean, you? I really wouldn't. <laughs> no, no, I would not. Although this is the point, I think, where Spicoli's like, hey, isn't this actually our time? Get somewhere around here, and it is a good point. And Mr. Hand is actually like, you know what? 
Yes, it is. You are correct, basically. Yeah, he he is slowly coming to appreciate Spicoli's point of view because, like, at the in the very first day, he is so clear that like eating is absolutely inappropriate, and then we see Spicoli with food every time we see him in this class, and you know by this point he's like, all right, let's give food to everybody. Yeah. And yeah, like, well, he's yeah, clearly. Actually, I didn't even think about that part, but yeah. Yeah, like there, there's a little give and take on both sides, and I, I really mm. appreciate that there. Good point. Good point. I, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Uh, this is where also Stacy talks to Damone, and he's like, "Rat really likes you," uh, but she is very clear that no, she's into Damone. And they they go back to her place and have sex in the backyard pool house. Oh, my God. This sex scene is like the best sex scene of all movies. <laughs> incredibly, incredibly awkward. Uh, so and it's like <laughs> like the song starts playing and it's building and building. And it, it's like, the same one from before. Somebody's yeah, baby and, by Jackson. And you know, Brown. it's. But it only lasts about five seconds, and then it's just hard cut. The music just stops. Everything stops. And and it feels like it's building. It's going to be so long, but no, it's just. It, and she's it, just, just like, is that it? Is, is that it? Uh, I, I have much respect for showing the penis as well. We, we yep. get... We get both. That is why it was going to get an X rating in the original theatrical oh, cut. That was right. cut. Right, because you that can't... Shot, that shot was Oops. removed. Yes, penis, no. That's right, I forgot. Exactly. And that's why they wanted to have both in this scene. So uh, to get the X rating, they had to tr- they had to crop the shot with the penis, but they were totally allowed to keep in the boobs. Uh, this is, I think, the first edition that restores that. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, but it's I, I really respect having it in there. I'm glad. Uh, and it just... Yeah, it's so painfully real and awkward he, he just it's over very very quickly and <laughs> he's like yeah didn't you feel it she's like i guess yes <laughs> and like the next day she talks to linda about it in terms of like how long sex usually takes because this yeah, is her first like, experience with the high school boy her other yeah. experiences with that you know 20 something guy day. yeah yeah and, and, and they seem to all have like they all give like the same kind of range to everybody that talks to anyone like 30, 20 to 30 minutes 30 to 40 yeah and like this is where she catches Linda in uh, a lie I feel like there there's a point where she says like didn't you say that it was this and it's like oh, oh yeah that's what it was that's yeah that's right it was like 20 to 30 didn't you say it was 30 to 40 oh yeah and it's like oh yeah uh, and she says that it was with Damone that it was like 10 to 15 minutes, which <laughs> I was like, that's pretty good for a high school boy. Uh, you know, everybody's kind of being a little bit secretive. Yeah, yeah. But Damone is kind of a piece of shit about it. He is ghosting her right away. Mm. I mean, I feel he is probably humiliated, but he is someone who has no capability of publicly dealing with any sort of humiliation. Yeah, he, he's already, like, checking out other people and, like, flirting with other people. Yeah. And, like, no, actually, I, I, I can't hang out with you, though. I have to ghost you and hook up with her. Yeah. 
And Brad has to go deliver a bunch of stuff from Captain Hooks to IBM. And the boss makes him go in uniform because, you know, that's part of the experience. You're representing <laughs> the company. <laughs> and like on the way, there's a pretty girl in a car next to him laughing at him. And he quits his job because he's so sick of that. Yeah, he's like doing the whole like revving his engine thing because he does have that sweet car. Mm-hmm. And and he like forgets he's wearing the pirate outfit. And then like he immediately throws the hat out the window and then like he tries a bit of the food and the food stinks. So he starts throwing the food out the window. too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, the girl in the that? car. Yeah. The girl in the car notably is Nancy Wilson of Heart. You oh, know, the rock wow. band. Uh, oh, cool. She she later married Cameron Crowe. Oh, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Interesting extra. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, this is where Damone is trying to sell cheap trick tickets to somebody and uh, Stacy shows up. Right, right. He's he he does not want to talk to her. He, he's he's trying to sell tickets. He's he's doing the hard sell. Oh, right, right. I, I, I was thinking of a different scene. Yeah, he's selling to the the girl on the bleachers, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. As like, no, no, I'm I'm doing business here. I'm trying to ghost you. <laughs> but she's like, this is important. Uh, and it turns out that she got pregnant from their uh, really disappointing encounter. Uh, yeah. Oh, right. Oh, God, this. This is yeah. definitely one of the scenes that is very controversial as well. But I not super controversial at the time it's not something that was like a big furor and i think that's amazing because this is probably the least stigmatized an abortion scene has ever been treated in a movie like before or since yeah um i agree it's just like very matter of fact that's what we're doing okay we're we're gonna do this here we'll take care of it this way i will pay for half of it and give you a ride i actually won't i'll just Oh well, no, she she says I I want half of the cost and I want a ride to the clinic and he grudgingly agrees. And he Grudging, tries. Yeah, yeah, he, grudgingly it's agrees. He, it's not that he is not planning to show up but like right, he, he can't get the money, the money together. <laughs> yeah. He he's like checking all his books and who owes him and and is like, "No, man, I'll pay you back on Thursday. I don't need it Thursday. I need it now." Uh, fine, pay me Thursday. Yeah, and uh, he has this really funny ledger of people who owe me money and costs, and like at the top is just abortion seventy five dollars. <laughs> yeah, and under <laughs> that is David Bowie tickets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he can't get the money together, and he like again, it's it's the same thing where he just can't publicly face any sort of humiliation. He is unable to face her after what happened, so. He just no shows. He can't even just talk to her about it. Yeah, he he goes to her. He just is like, just does not show up. Yeah, has his mom uh, say that he's working in the garage with his dad. Oh my god! Yeah, that's oh, that's embarrassing. That is like the worst. That is like a low point. Uh, and she gets Brad to take her instead by saying that she's going bowling. <laughs> just yeah. not very convincing and he he kind of clues in very quickly but secretly but he's really good about it 
Yeah, yeah. Like he sees her running, like he drops her off at the bowling alley and he sees her run across the street to the clinic, the clinic where yeah. he's when she gets out, he's waiting outside. Yeah, and he finds out or like he asks who did it, but I don't think she tells him. Yeah, yeah. It's like it, yeah, it doesn't matter and he's cool about it. You know, mm-hmm. he's a good yeah. brother. Yeah, yeah, he just and Linda also backs her up. <laughs> it's like, what a prick. And we, we cut to the next morning and someone has, and I'm going to say it was probably Linda spray probably. painted prick on Damone's gremlin. <laughs> of course he drives a gremlin. Of course he drives a gremlin. The cars are so well picked in this movie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and also on his locker, little prick. Yep little prick <laughs> it's just like how how did she know it was little <laughs> so rat confronts him and they they get in a, a scuffle in the gym but the gym te- or the in the locker room but the gym teacher breaks it up immediately yeah we get the final uh biology class visit to the hospital where they go through from the delivery room to the morgue uh, spicoli just shows up it's like, are you in my class? I, I am, am today. today. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like playing with the organs in the in the body. Of course, I love Vincent Chiavelli here. You, you know, he pulls the heart out. He does the whole thing. He's so happy. Spicoli does a big like, oh, gnarly. <laughs> <laughs> and Stacy gets sick and Rat comforts her. So, oh. you know, they, they, they kind of start moving back together again. Mm-hmm. And so it's final exam time. We see everybody cheating, just all sorts of elaborate hiding places for notes. Oh yeah. The cheating montage. <laughs> and then it's grad dance night. And, and the song they play for the cheating montage. Um, I, I don't know what it's called, but they're, I think the lyrics are just like, I don't know. I don't know. Over and over again. Okay. Yeah. Good callback to, you know, the first meeting with Mr. Hand. Right. So uh, this this must have been one of the ones they weren't forced to get and were allowed to get. Very likely, yeah. So it's it's the grad dance night and Spicoli is getting stoned off of what was it that it was? Like he he calls up Eric Stoltz and is like, Don't you get brain damage from smoking that? It's like only like if it's every day for months, like bitch <laughs> oh yeah it's like it's like meth or something i don't remember. i don't know it might have been like a methamphetamine and then yeah. mr hand shows up what a nightmare <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're about to go to prom and you're like stoned out of your mind on something you've never had before and your teacher and your shows, teacher up, shows up with a file of exactly how much of his time you've wasted eight hours so it's like, you are going to learn about American history, young man. I'm going to get my wasted time back. Uh, and Ray Walston is so good in this. <laughs> Chekhov's, you wouldn't want me to show up at your th- thing and do the thing. Yeah. And like, to his credit, Spicoli totally makes the effort. You know, he's yeah. he's stoned. He's game. <laughs> yeah. And, and then it turns out... Um, kind of gets it at the end yeah he he does kind of get it they they talk about i 
I, I think it's almost the same thing. <laughs> or no, is it Cuban history that they're doing? Uh, here, I, no, this this has got to be the remember. forming of the Constitution. Okay, so yeah, like, forming they, the Constitution. Again, it is the same Bart Simpson thing. Yeah, because, well, what he says here is, is like, well, we, our ancestors had to leave England because England was bogus. But if we didn't have a better set of rules than them that we, we adhere to be. we too would be bogus <laughs> well <laughs> look everybody got the idea look everybody thomas jefferson's writing his name in the snow <laughs> yeah so mr hand like i'll give it to you you can go to the dance <laughs> it's a good little scene they shake hands they they have learned to appreciate each other's ridiculousness there's that the thing like do you have a have like a, a student that you make an example of like me every year it's like well you'll see next year he's <laughs> like, <laughs> like what no i won't i won't be there it's like you're not gonna <laughs> fail me are you it's like we'll see <laughs> uh so Damone and Rat make up. Yeah. Uh, and we see that notably Rat's stock has risen. Uh, mm-hmm. Girls are starting to notice him. You know, he he beat up Damone. He's he's been a good dude. He he immediately went to comfort Stacy when she got sick. Yeah. Yeah. We also see uh, Mr. Vargas, Vincent Chavelli, with his super hot wife at the dance. Oh, yeah. That everyone's just like. A wo- like a doing the yeah they're a wooing over her, <laughs> and of course Linda has her very teary letter that she's reading to everyone that she wrote to Doug, who didn't show up. Yeah, <laughs> didn't show up in quotes uh, mm-hmm. slash doesn't maybe exist. I I I feel does not exist. That's been my read of the film. Well, <laughs> it's not addressed in the commentary track. They no. don't bring it up. Uh, but that is very much the feeling I get. Yeah. Like like when you mentioned it before I watched it, I kind of watched it with that in mind, and I was like, oh, yes, absolutely he doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, we like, see Spicoli jumping on stage to sing Wooly Bully as well. Sorry, go on. I don't remember what I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just he doesn't exist. There, There is no Doug <laughs> Doug from Canada, Doug from Chicago. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you know? we would have at least seen his face at some point in like a throwaway scene if you'd he was real. He, you'd have figured he he would have had like she would have had a picture of him or something somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel we ever even saw that. Nope, we did not. Uh, but yeah, so the big climactic, you know, he sings "Wooly Bully." Everyone has like the big dance night, and then. Mm-hmm. We, we, you know, things still move on at work. Later on, Stacy is telling Linda that she wants a relationship, not sex. Yep. Um, which, which is a good thing to, it's a good thing to find out. Yeah, it's, it's probably a, a better place to be at this uh, point. And, you know, Rat, uh, she, or she goes to talk to Rat. Uh, she gives him her picture and they kiss. So like Aww. that that sort of moving in the right direction, everything's sort of working well there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see Spicoli going to the convenience store that Brad now works at. Oh yeah, so I don't know if it's intentional or not, but there's an interesting parallel here. 
Um, oh, actually a very interesting parallel. Uh, Spicoli asks if he can use the washroom, and Brad's like, yeah, it's over there. And uh, somebody comes and robs the store. And it's like, yo, open up the safe, man. He's like, yo, man, it's my first day. I don't know how to open the safe, but if you'll just wait a second, I'll get the manager. Yeah. yeah. It's the exact same thing. He's the robber with the gun is treating him exactly the same way as the customer was. And, and he's got his buddy in the bathroom. But this yeah. time, but this yeah, time this it time, plays out a bit different. This time attacking the 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 person attacking him uh, works out for him. He he throws hot coffee in his face. It's great. Yeah, yeah. He he tells him off like much the same way as the customer. Uh, the guy gets distracted by Spicoli coming out of the bathroom, and he throws hot coffee in his face. So you know you see how the good ending of the customer interaction could have gone. Yeah, and also like we get. Later on, uh, in the the post, like the what do you call it? I call it the "Where are we now?" scene, or the "Where right. are they now?" I don't right. know what so, it's really called, but that's what for, I've been calling it for years. For his "Where are they now?" and I guess we get that immediately because it goes into all of them. His is uh, he made manager. <laughs> yeah, he 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 became the manager at the convenience store. Yeah, uh, so, the Mighty Mart. The Mighty Mart, correct. Yeah. Uh, we we learned that Damone got busted for scalping Aussie tickets and does work at a 7-Eleven now. Yeah. Because he, he had a thing about when he was talking to a kid earlier who wanted Blue Oyster Cult tickets, that he had 34 pairs and nobody bought them. Uh, so he almost had to work at 7-Eleven because it almost <laughs> put him out of the scalping business. <laughs> oh, shit. He's like, oh, <laughs> Blue Oyster Cult. I love Blue Oyster Cult. Aw. But I guess like circa eighty two, maybe their stock had fallen. I'm trying to think. I'll like seventy eight is probably don't fear the Reaper, but you know, Godzilla would have been like circa eighty, eighty two. So you'd think. I don't know. Huh. <laughs> uh we we learned that Linda is now dating her psychology prof in college. Yeah, I was like abnormal psychology problem abnormal psych that, yeah yep i'm like that tracks and then totally I'm like, tracks wait a second is she though <laughs> maybe she's sending <laughs> letters back even, to stacy about that i don't know is she even in an ignore an abnormal psychology class hard to say uh, who knows maybe and she just wrote this for about everybody could be and of course rat and stacy are a couple they haven't gone all the way yet. Aww. <laughs> uh, and Spicoli saves Brooke Shields from drowning and hires Van Halen <laughs> to play his birthday party. <laughs> yes. I love that he just gets the one completely absurd ending because he yeah. is sort of that character that sort of feels like this bridge of chaos in the middle of everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I really like the way everything closes up over the closing credits. We just watch everyone closing up their workplaces, yep, <laughs> like rolling yep. up the mall shutters. Mm -hmm. And that's the end. Definitely not what I expected. I thought, you know, when when they described it as a teen comedy, I, you know, thought teen comedy, not like coming right. of age story this... of what being a high schooler was probably actually like around then. Yeah, I mean, th this is the same year as Porky's. 
very different view of uh, high school life. And like, again, that's a high school or high school exploitation movie. Whereas this is, you know, an authentic high school movie. This is a high school movie for people who are going to high school Uh uh or who were going to high school at that time. And like coming back to it, it isn't nostalgic. And even like, I think Dazed and Confused is Cameron Crowe as well. You know, Dazed and Confused is the movie that I kept thinking that I had seen that was called Ridgemont High. Okay. Uh, I think that is Cameron Crowe. There's there's always like the every now and again I just completely mix up two movies one hundred percent. Like I did with Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Although and, they're and they're this yeah. well, yeah. You you can do it with it makes sense Equals. there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, I think that one is also kind of based on some of the same characters and people because I think that is again Cameron Crowe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually the, when I was watching this I kept waiting for the scene where the guy is like, you know, the thing about high school girls is I get older, but they stay the same age. I kept waiting for that, and I'm like, this doesn't feel like that kind of movie, though. Where does that fit in? And it never happens because this isn't that. It that would it's not the right movie, and it wouldn't work here. And it'd be gross here. Yeah. Well, it's gross there. <coughs> Excuse me. Swallowed water wrong. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Boy. That sounded unpleasant. Yeah, I just went down totally the wrong pipe. <clears throat> I hate that. So what were we saying? Oh, oh gosh. I don't know. <clears throat> we were so talking days, days and confused. We were talking about how how you, they, you were they, saying the the uh <clears throat> the famous the Matthew uh, Conaghy character. Yeah, that that one. I kept waiting for him to show up and he didn't and it's better because he doesn't belong in this movie. Yeah, and I I think that's an interesting contrast because it's still Cameron Crowe and it still has a lot of that same authenticity, but it does feel like it does feel like that one's a much more nostalgic take on the concept. Mm. Like not not like heavily nostalgic. I still feel like he's uh, still dealing with the same brand, but like he's not. He's not romanticizing it, but it does still feel like it's the American graffiti version of this. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Uh, interesting to think this was originally the 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 director they originally offered this to was David Lynch. What was that? <laughs> so Brad would just be like a goat, and Spicoli can can light things on fire with his hand but only when the light is red see this was like post uh uh david lynch did the elephant man in 1980 which was big it had oscar buzz i think it was nominated for best director in picture and then see that oh it's it's great but it's very heavy like it's you know him doing a true story you know it's the one of only two that he did you know it, it is based on joseph merrick's life Right. Uh, And he just kind of got offered a lot of stuff at the beginning of the 80s, because what he actually made in 1982, 83 was Dune. Oh, right, right. (laughs) And they tried to get him for this. And he's like, it's not my kind of picture. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just just imagining him. 
I, I, I always just picture whenever he talks, I always just picture him yelling like his right. character in Twin Peaks. <laughs> What's that, Coop? No, I don't think I want to write a teen picture or make a teen picture. Uh, so, yeah, th- this film was like super controversial. And while they were making it, they were kind of concerned and the studio was concerned that it could ruin them <laughs> and everybody involved that might tank the studio. I can uh, see why it would be controversial, actually. I mean, we got teenager nudity and sex. Right. This I mean, is like 1980 something, 82. 82. Uh, Roger Ebert called it a scuzz pit. He he hated it. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it's great. Like, it's one that I saw when I was really young. It It is one that played TV a lot in, you know, a, a sanitized form in certain ways. but still keeping all of the main scenes just you know the nudity and swearing is absent and they added sequences oh uh i i haven't rewatched that cut but it is included on the uh criterion disc which is what we were watching a fairly recent release interesting i wonder i'm curious what they would have added yeah i can't remember uh, and like I know the there is a lot of censorship because this this does have a lot of uh, blue language. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it, I, I it, it really holds up for me. Uh, I, I have seen that this movie's stock has kind of gone down with time, but uh, I feel like it just still really works. Oh, yeah, no, totally. I I would I definitely agree. Uh, so this is replaced in this text with Moonstruck, uh, romantic comedy with Nicolas Cage and Cher. Uh, it's sort of Nicolas Cage's big breakthrough in, I think, 1987. Uh, won a bunch of awards. It's a you know, really big deal romantic comedy uh, directed or not directed, uh, written by John Patrick Shanley. It was the film he wrote that got him uh, the ability to write and direct Joe versus the Volcano. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. Does so he do any big Nicolas Cage freakouts here? I believe so. Like, this is the the first big Nick Cage performance. Like, this one was, like, landmark. I think he got nominated for Best Actor or Best Supporting Actor for it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, all right, so any last thoughts before we move on to our second feature? I, I still think Nick Cage as Brad would have been so interesting. I, although I... I love Judge Reinhold. I do think it would have taken away from the movie overall. It's hard to say because, like, he was much more of just a a dedicated character actor at the time. He he ran more towards, like, Sean Penn's method thing. Uh, So, I don't know. It it would have been interesting, but I think Judge Reinhold is so good as Brad. Like, there's just... Oh, totally. And as well, just him being an older... Someone who does feel like an older guy really fits for the character and sort of works for his dynamic in the movie. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, it would have been really interesting to see the Nicolas Cage version. Totally. Yeah. That, that's, that, that's the thing. Like Brad's always got his own thing going on, but he's also always looking out for whoever else is around him. Yeah. He's a good dude. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, we'll head on to part two. All right. And we're back, and uh, my voice has recovered from swallowing water like a fool. 
<laughs> for our second feature, Kung Fu Wonder Child. Oh my God, this movie! This movie is a three is the longest ninety minute movie I've ever seen. Yeah, like it it does require some comprehension rewinds. <laughs> like uh-huh. it's it's quite an experience. It's a very very strange film. Like the the turns it takes and how rapidly it takes them uh, are frequently just absolutely shocking. And at times, like I just could not put together the sequence of events. Yeah. Um... Like as I was watching it, I was like, "How? Wait, what are we doing here?" And I'd have to go back and like, "Okay, I see sorta, and that yeah, all right, maybe." Yeah, uh, this this movie is everything happens so quickly that I thought I was gonna have to watch it on half speed. <laughs> um, but then but you also have three hours, right? But then then you also have kind of weirdly empty spaces as well. Like there will be sequences of just way too many things happening, and then you'll have like a solid five minutes of absolutely nothing happening. Yeah, just like five minutes of just. Beavis and Butthead just being dumbasses for a little bit. Very Beavis and Butthead, these two uh, comic relief uh, sorcerer's disciples. Like, they are sort of associated with the bad guy. Yeah, they're... They work for him. Magic apprentices, I think. Yeah. They, They work for the bad guy, but they don't know he's the bad guy. Right, and our... Kung Fu Wonder Child also doesn't really know he's the bad guy because, like, he just wants to study under him initially. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we begin with an old guy and a woman uh, walking through, I think it's a graveyard, and the old mm-hmm. guy's talking about how we have to find the girl's missing sister, but oh my god, there's they're attacked by flaming red banner things, and then a guy just poof appears in a puff of smoke and says, Ah, oh baby, and you will live. Turn against me and you will die. Bah, ha, 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 ha. Um, it happens exactly that fast. Yes. Uh, and just like really funny animated sort of effects, like really cheap, like uh, like sort of cell animation almost, just th- that sort of effects work. Uh, and th- this is our sorcerer bad guy, like the actual like spirit form of him. Yeah, he, he looks he looks kind of like a Klingon to me. Kind of, yeah. It's weird makeup. Yeah, yeah. Like he's got like this weird f- forehead, pardon me, forehead eyebrow ridge thing. Mm-hmm. And like his thing is, he traps this whole family and just a whole bunch of people in a bunch of clay pots, and he drains off of them with his sorcery, and that this is sort of how he is powered. We don't learn that until way, way later, I don't think. Yeah, he <laughs> right now he's just after the silver skull that the old man has. So he, uh, yeah, traps them in a jar, uh, like a little jar. He traps their, shrinks them down and traps their souls right. in it, and then takes the silver skull. We are now at like the 22nd mark of the movie. Right. <laughs> Things happen real quick, and there's just so much stuff in that, like, trapping them in a jar and all this like i don't get who this guy is or what any of this is about but ultimately yeah he's that this is this bad sorcerer guy that is ultimately going to be our villain uh but we don't even hear about him again for maybe 40 minutes 
Well, uh, he's he's got. Uh, I guess we have see. like little insert shots where we don't know who he is or how he relates to anyone. Yeah, he does. He does mention that in 49 days after this uh, ceremony is completed, he'll be unstoppable. Somehow. Uh, somehow. Yeah, we, we don't really get to find out much, but we do see a skeleton come out of one of the pots that makes a bunch of farting noises and <laughs> Uh, to become a weird blue kappa-like creature, uh, that wears a wig that makes him look like Khan Noonien Singh. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the first thing I thought of, was like, oh, uh, the Klingon wizard summoned Khan. Uh, so this, this kappa is just to watch the pods, whatever. That, that's, right. Yeah, yeah. He'll show up later, he doesn't matter right now. Um, now we have these this weird scene with the family of hopping vampires hopping vampires <laughs> um i love I, the commitment to the hopping vampire bit uh it's like, with, very strange this whole sequence because like it has absolutely no connection to anything else well it doesn't that they meet the girl right who's but, later like, going to become our main girl much much later but no it's otherwise no connection to anything they don't show up again i actually forgot they were in the in the movie until i looked at i glanced at the cover art and i was like oh yeah the hopping vampires because they have kind of the whole lead scene uh they they're they're on this whole quest for something and like they are competing with their dad who's also a hopping vampire like it's two little girl vampires and a like drunk dad vampire drunk dad vampire and i think they're looking for their mother or something at least they're that's the story they give to passerby that they're trying to either get them to kill the dad or like fake out the dad or i don't even know what their end game is it's really not clear no, no. Uh, this is basically just a setup for the first fight slash comedy scene. Right. Uh, because although I do love like the way the little kids just hop along after their dad and like tug on their sleeves, but they never like drop the whole hopping and having their arms out in front of them bit. Yeah. They never break that character for anything. <laughs> so like when the dad has to angrily turn around to yell at the kid, he like has to hop to turn around. <laughs> Yeah, with arms extended always. With arms always, yes. Uh, and like in that sense, a lot of this movie kind of does remind me of our folk horror movies. It's so deep in folklore. Oh yeah, actually, there's like there's stuff that I recognize from here from like Japanese mythology. Right, or, well, like, or I guess it'd be Chinese. I'm not sure. It'd be Chinese mythology, wouldn't it? Uh, well, this is actually a Taiwanese film, so I'm not oh. totally sure uh, what exactly it, it comes from altogether. I think it is a blend of things. Uh, oh. But like you say, we, we have a Kappa. We've well, we got... have a Kappa, which is Japanese, and a Hawking yeah. Vampire, which is Chinese. Yeah. Uh, we get we get some other monsters later on. Right, and like there's the Sorcerer and the Clay Pots, and all like it, it's all very elaborate. There, there's a, a clear sense of ritual and history to all of it. It's uh-huh. really interesting because it's so demented. But I wonder how much of that is a combination of the dub and just 
the unfamiliarity of the subject matter because this is a kids movie but it's a really weird amplified kids movie yeah yeah Um, strangely violent and it mm -hmm. goes places that you don't expect it to (laughs) frequently yeah so so yeah uh our hero girl which we i don't even know that she's going to be our hero girl i'm wondering if maybe these one of these vampires is our main character at this point Mm. Uh, but they they fight uh, after the kids tries to get the hero girl to go along to look for their dad. She's looking for her own dad and sister. She's the sister of the people who got sucked into the pot like 10 seconds ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, then they fight the dad vampire uh, girl eventually traps him under a big giant log and then goes on her way. And that's the end of the vampires. Yeah, we don't ever see them again. They do not come up. They're never mentioned. She doesn't say, oh, hey, on the way here, I was attacked by vampires. Maybe watch out for vampires. It's just a thing that happened. And it's so strange, especially because we spent all of this time with the vampires getting to know their whole shtick. And it, yeah, <laughs> like just the dad fight checking up on his kids and shit. Very strange. And, and like just the vampires are such odd characters and they're so distinct. And, like, just that there's these two strange twin sisters and that they're kind of playing this weird antagonistic game with their dad, like, where they are they seem to try to be getting away from him or outfoxing him in some sort of way. Yeah, I, I think the idea is that the dad's trying to leave the family and the kids are like, no, you don't. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter. Now we cut to a castle or a temple or something. Kung Fu uh, Temple. Kung Fu Temple. Or... Kung Fu sorcery. We're 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 in Wuxia territory, of course. Yes, and we have what is actually our main uh, teacher character, mm. uh, hung over his shit, going down the going down the hall, taking a big leak right in front of all of his students. Wah, 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 wah. It actually makes the noise. The music cues in this are. A bit much. <laughs> like, I, I love all the just, like, totally cheap synth, though. Like, the that just, like, very garbage mm-hmm. uh, mid-80s. Uh, like, it, it, the, the sort of stuff you heard in local commercials. Like, commercials for malls. Oh, Honest Ed's used cars. Yeah, like, in, uh, I, I don't know if you... You ended up seeing it. Uh, the WNUF holiday special. Did we talk about that? Oh, we saw some of that. Yeah. Uh, it, it reminds me of like the kind of music that's in the commercials in the WNUF yes. holiday special. Are you caught without insurance? Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah, the, this whole mu- the whole movie, that is the sort of music you got. And I vibe with it. <laughs> so this guy. Yeah. Yes. So I feel like the music might have been added in the West. Very likely, uh, yes. Yeah, like the, there's no uh, original language dub for this, at least not on the disc that we've got. Yeah, because so this is the a disc from Gold Ninja, which is sort of like I, I think they just sort of do public domain stuff or like local dubs that are of like old vintage dubs, which tend to be sort of more gray market and you can just sort of release those Uh so it's not like a super official disc like it is a a, a, a BDR disc, for instance. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, like hard to say how 
fully accurate to the original version any of this is certainly it is a dub and i have no idea who prepared the dub like what sort of provenance uh, it is obviously right. it is actually vintage like it is classic to the period oh yeah oh definitely uh so this guy who just who's our introduction to him is pissing in front of all the students is actually our main villain's right hand man mm-hmm. uh his name i don't know what his name is he is the pisser now that's that's how I have him in my notes. Uh, and he's leading the students on their Mao Shen style cheer where they're doing like all this. They're basically doing like magician stuff with like a red cloth, like how the right. magician has this black cloth. Yeah. And they make cucumbers appear and then they make eggs appear, except for these two students who are Beavis and Butthead. To, yeah, they're Beavis and Butthead. I, I think I. I tossed around the idea of calling them bill and ted but nah they're not cool enough no no and, and they and bulk and skull are too different for one another to be these two so they're beavis and butthead yeah these are the same guy they're like kind of the same dude reskinned mm, they even look identical to each other they do uh yeah so they they don't reveal the eggs under their sheets so the teacher's like oh what the hell's the problem he, he talks like that by the way the dub does anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's like, well, we overdid it. <laughs> <laughs> and they pull up, they pull up the cloth, and there's chickens hatched they out of hatched the eggs. They overdid the magic trick. Of course. Yeah. They're uh, too good at it, I guess. They use too much power. They use too much magic. Yep, too much magic. So, so uh, Buddy Kane's their asses. Yeah. Uh, well, like, th- so that's the strange thing about the movie is the contrast in how kiddy it is and how strangely violent it is at the same time. Bare ass cane marks. Mm-hmm. On, like, yeah. And like a little bit later, when our uh, uh, main uh, kung fu wonder child f- runs afoul of this guy, like. Oh, well, you know, chop their hands off. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> you know, standard, standard procedure, whatever. Yeah. So now we cut to our actual main character, the Kung Fu Wonder Child, whose mm-hmm. name I don't recall. Uh, Yao, mm, I'll look it up. Please continue. Okay. Uh, he just got back from a shopping trip and uh, he's washing radishes and he's or I think it's radishes, I don't know. But he's, like, magic throwing them into the basket across the room. And the grandpa catches, his grandpa catches one of them in a pod, and he's like, hey, don't use your magic powers. The master will fucking kill you if he finds out. And it's like, oh, no, it'll be fine. Everything's fine. And, uh, and then Beavis and Butthead show up and talk about how the master caned him, and the grandpa's like, yeah, I'm sure he had a good reason for doing it. Yeah. Uh, it's like, well, they're very, like, on his side. Like, he, he, he does feel all the time like, eh, uh, he, he, this is the right way to go for this. Uh, the, 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 I mean, he, he's, he's, the, he's the master, so anything master, he says so, has yeah, to be correct. It's got to be right. Otherwise, why would he be the master if he can be wrong about things? Yeah. Yeah, so Beavis and Butthead, their job is to pick up the master's noodles. But they drop them. 
So they they're like, what if I were to take these weeds and disguise them as our own cooking? Delightfully devilish beavis and butthead. <laughs> so I think the name is Shu Chen. Yeah, yeah, Shu Chen. That's our hero. That's right. Um, I refuse to learn beavis and butthead's names. Yeah, they do no have clue. names, but I won't learn them. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I have no clue. <laughs> yeah, so they literally swap weeds from the ground uh, for the for the master's meal and hope that he won't notice. Uh, the master, of course, does yeah, he notice notices. immediately. He puts a bunch of weeds in his mouth, and he's like, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then he uh, just zaps the weed stuff into Beavis and Budhead's food and makes them eat it. And then, <laughs> and then he's like, "You know what the punishment for doing this bullshit with magic is? Cut off their hands and feet." And this guy, <laughs> the only one whose name I did learn, Father or Father Chang. It's like, yes, I'm. it's like super excited to cut off their hands and feet. Yeah. Um, I mean, yep. that's his job, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like uh, the delivery of the line in the dub when he said, yes, I, I can't even <laughs> remember, but I just made me laugh. He was so eager. It's quite a dub. Like, I, I got to yeah. say that it, it is one of those cases where the dub probably does add an extra layer to the whole experience because it's so absurd and it's so heightened. It is one of those where they're kind of trying to match the way people look like they're moving their mouths as much as they're trying to mimic what is probably meant to be said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so apparently our Kung Fu Wonder Boy uh, learned how to do all the magic by spying on the school. He's not a student of the school. Right. And he's not the Kung Fu Wonder Boy yet. He's just a shitty, lowly cook, a uh, servant of the grandpa who I think is a janitor. But he's obviously destined. Like, what, destined. The, uh, the, the boy. Mysterious, the mysterious orphaned boy who, uh, <laughs> who immediately takes to magic power, uh, who's adopted by a equally mysterious uh, old old wise Asian janitor is destined to be a hero. Are you sure? Who who we saw just randomly battling vampires in a cold open without, you know, knowing anything. Yep. Yep. I don't know. I don't just, know. just a thought. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, the, the guy's going to chop off Beavis and Butthead's hands and the grandpa comes along and is like, Oh, please forgive them. They, well, they're stupid as shit, but, you know, chop it off their hands. It's uh, it's a little much, man. And Seems excessive. Like, yeah, I PBS. guess so. It's like, uh, we'll let it go this one this time. time. Um, then we have this weird scene where there's these two cops that find a pink polka dot dog for a lady. That doesn't connect to anything. Um, yeah, I wrote I it in here no for completion's idea. sake, but that's not part of anything. Uh, we see the we see Father Chang beating the shit out of the kids because he didn't get to cut off their hands and feet. Uh, oh, and then he uh, goes to the store uh, where the hot girl works and uses his magic to see up her skirt. Yeah, you got a bit uh, of that. Yep. It is very 80s. Uh, yep. And 
and uh, and then she goes out to do something, and he uses magic to change his clothes to look fancy to hit on the girl. So the students who are who just got beaten up by this guy uh, and are watching this happen put this talisman on the girl's ass uh, to, I guess, control her. Yeah, it seems remember, like Remember, they do have magic powers. I keep forgetting that. And they somehow can use them, but they just can't use them quite right. You know, it's it's an inspector yeah. gadget sort of situation. You know, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, they sneak the talisman on the lady so that she's at first going along with Father Chang's advances. And then they rip the talisman off and she's all like, oh, trying to rape me in my own shop, are you? You <laughs> fucking pervert. Oh, how dare you? Oh, and then the cops arrest the teacher. That's yeah. and they're like, and the kids are laughing at him like, haha, he'll never live it down. Um, oh, I guess that princess from the beginning who was running away from the vampire shows up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and warriors, these two warriors, like samurais, but like undead kind of. I'm not sure what their deal is. I just have them written down as warriors. Attack her. They, I guess they get away. Mm-hmm. Oh man. <laughs> this is so much. Uh, oh, it turns out the the hero guy is like a parent to the two idiots. Right. Uh, because I don't know why. He sounds he sounds kind of like a cross between Cal from Undergrads and uh, Hank Venture. In the yeah, dub. it's 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 very intentionally androgynous. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. Okay. So the. The warriors are attacking the princess while the guy is talking to the two uh, – while, while the guy is talking to the two other kids. And they kind of try to help the princess but also end up causing – helping the warriors escape by mistake by fucking around with their cart and, like, tripping over melons and shit. They, they, right. They do you this know, a lot. This is kind of their thing. Go, go, gadget magic, and, you know, something goes sort of right but sort of wrong. Like, they they kind of help enough that the situation is resolved, but they are made fools of in the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now Father Chang gets out of the shop, I guess, and just beats the shit out of the kids again. Yeah. That's his whole thing is beating up these three idiots. He doesn't do really – that and get humiliated are his only things to do in the movie, and that's – the next like half hour of the movie is just that a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Oh, the kid. Here's where the kids convince Grandpa to use his magic against Father Chang. Uh, right, because Grandpa secretly has just like really powerful magic. They, they. It's kind of like a throwaway line, but it sounds. What I think happened is Mao Shen is the name of the school. This wizard guy took over the school. And and thinks that there shouldn't be any real Mao Shen monks in the school, but like the grandpa is one. Yes, is there, I, there I think that is the case. Yeah, they, they do have a conversation about like there shouldn't be any Mao Shen here, and I'm like, what do you mean there shouldn't be? You're teaching Mao Shen, is, aren't you? Is is this not the Mao Shen temple? Yeah. Is that not what you, or is this just the cheerleading temple for the Mao Shen? Yeah, but, no, but the, I. The, I think that's what it is. This yes, wizard I, guy took over the school, drove out so. the real Mao Shen, and is pretending to be Mao Shen, but Grandpa's the real one, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. 
So uh, what they end up doing is the grandpa, Father Chang is taking his like hot tub bath. At first, the grandpa uses his magic using this like super elaborate spell in this spell room that he got that he's got. Uh, and we see him doing this a few times to first boil the water that Father Chang is bathing in. So he has to so like jump out and get... like are there there's like is it some girls nearby watching or is it just like another tub of people? Because like uh, he's, he's other... having a conversation. He's I think he's maybe flirting again. Oh, he might be flirting. He does a lot of flirting that they thwart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he has to jump out. So then he's like, looks at the water, touches it, and it's fine. He's like, what the hell? So then he gets back in, and the grandpa makes it freeze. <laughs> yeah, and he's just like frozen inside it, and he yep. he's like all frosted over, like uh, like uh, a Jack at the end of uh, The Shining. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looks exactly. It looks so much like that. Yeah. So when we next see Chang, he's just wrapped in a blanket uh, in the courtyard, thawing out, thawing out, and then just suddenly all this rain falls on him, and he's just like, "Why? It's not fair." Uh, and and the pisser and the master are discussing like who could have done all this magic shit. Uh, oh, here's where they're like, well, it could have been the Mao Shen. And the principal, the master is like, well, let's just kill those kids. I'll practice sorcery. Yeah, like uh, those kids are the ones who laughed at me. They they probably have something to do with it. Kill them just in case, just to be sure, you know. So uh, the cook. Or, yeah, the hero. I still have it written down as a cook because I haven't figured out that he's the hero. Hmm. Uh, wakes up Beavis and Butthead in the middle of the night and sneaks them out to see the evil Klingon do magic on the people in the jar. Somehow he knew about this. Yeah, and so, like, he's, like, shooting Raiden-esque electricity that sort of goes to all of the different pots and is, like, sucking life force out of all of them. Yeah, basically he's like he's um he's industrialized vampirism. Yeah, and uh there there's a Marvel character that's quite a bit like this. Uh oh, really? that that fought Spider-Man, I think. Uh oh. the uh, what the what is that guy's name? I think maybe he's called the Collector. No, that's not the no, the Collector is different. That's a cosmic being. I'll think of it. Okay. So yeah, they're they're watching this ceremony and uh and the princess is from before is also watching this ceremony. Uh the princess sees the wizard, the wizard sees the kids, the princess attacks the wizard, and the kids are rescued by a ninja. Uh the wizard Klingon is, of course, surprised, the headmaster of the school. Uh and the ninja is, of course, surprised grandpa. Uh, and they take the princess to the house uh, to to heal her up because, you know, she got injured in the attack with mm. the Klingon master. Uh, I remember the name. It's the uh, controller. Oh. The Marvel villain, the controller. He's like a he had like a zombie face and he would have uh, he, he would just like enslave a whole bunch of different people. And then the more people he had like under his mental control uh he just had all of their physical power and mental power 
It's kind of like what the Riddler was trying to do in Batman that's Forever. Thinking, really. That's a lot like what the yeah, that's a lot like that. Yeah. And a lot like this, actually. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting connections. Yeah. So uh, we cut to the evil wizard, and uh, he's got this big black handprint from, I guess, fighting the princess. Mm-hmm. And he's growing this gross-ass evil mushroom. And, and this this is like in my opinion, the best effect of the whole movie, just because it's so, I don't so know why nasty uns- looking. unsettling <laughs> to me, but like he heals his wound by making the mushroom lead his blood, I guess like the mushroom bleeds yeah. blood and pus and, and like, this, it's quite grody looking. It's, it's gross. It's, really freaking gross but so yeah basically this mushroom is his dorian gray mushroom mm-hmm. uh, and yeah and we see the hand mark fade um so, so we cut back symbolize to, him yeah healing yeah so from the kung back, fu damage yes and uh yeah so he's got a healing mushroom so we know that he's going to be hard to kill mm-hmm. and oh my god it's a good power up it's a Great power up. Too bad it doesn't make him twice his size, too, but it does recover damage. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Uh, so we cut to Bemis and Butthead being like, oh, we don't deserve to get punished for all this stuff, but I guess that's just the way it is. <laughs> and uh, the hero is like, says to them, like, hey, guys, I've captured a demon. And they're like, oh, gnarly, we should watch. <laughs> and it turns out it's uh, the girl who is Sister Chu. Or Sister mm-hmm. Jew, or something like that. Uh, and they're like, what? She's the demon dude. So uh, our hero is putting medicine on her gross titty wound, and Beavis and Butthead are turned on anyway, even though it is really gross. It's, it's not, extremely it's, gross. It's not sexy at all. There, You can't interpret it that way. No, I mean, it's, unless, it's... That's your, unless that's your specific thing. Yeah, I mean, like... I, the, these aren't like people who who like came of age too early looking at Rotten.com because this is a different time. So uh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah there's so, some sort of war. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so Beavis and Butthead actually have they have this exchange with the hero guy. They're like, I'm going to dream about her all night. Good <laughs> idea. Me, too. And the hero's like, don't. You'll go blind very weird exchange well i get it it's just oh yeah a weird just, exchange all around like i'm gonna that. dream about her all night like even even though it's innuendo it's just i feel like it wouldn't come up in conversation like do you you don't talk about who you're anyway it's just very strange <laughs> who are you gonna jerk off to when you get home oh man well you know you know, you, I mean, you know, this conversation. It truly doesn't help that they sound like Ninja Turtles. Oh my God, they do too. Because of the dub, <laughs> like they, they, the two of them in particular, I, I always sort of feel like, <laughs> yeah, Splinter. Is <laughs> definitely the the vibe I'm constantly getting from the two of them, even though it's more of a stupid Beavis and Butthead kind of uh, output. Yeah. So here we have what I think is the final humiliation of Father Chang, who attacks the kids, this time with orders to kill, I guess. 
but they are attacked by these flying fireballs, and the girl uses her powers to scare Chang with basically scares him into thinking that they're all ghosts. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, yeah, he, he gets scared. He runs out, he slips, he falls, he lands face first into a whole bunch of shit. And then a, jo- a dog pisses on him. Yeah. In just like a big, big pile of poop. Uh, th- oh, yeah. This has some poop gags. I, I really like the fireball effects, by the way. They're really fun. They, they do look good. They're, mm-hmm. they're good fireball effects. Oh, yeah. Okay, so here we have the hero, who is the cook for the school. Yeah, that's right. Uh, handing out the food for everybody, and the evil wizard master zaps him to make him rub the food all in the uh, pisser teacher's face. Right. <laughs> and the punishment for that is loss of one eye. And here the grandpa comes in and is like, hey, save his life, save, save his, his life. life, please. And they're like, don't. we're not going to take his life. We're just taking an eye. It's like, no, no, please yeah, let, well, him let him fight. Let him fight for his life. Yeah, well, if he loses, he'll die. But it's better than losing his face. Like, is it? Like, I guess. I don't know. I'd be upset if my grandpa made that decision for me without consulting me first. I, I don't think. To be fair, I think he knows that. Well, he's going to yes. show him up. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the Xenomorph fight, which is out of nowhere. Yeah, this is the Xenomorph fight, like the actual face hugger from Aliens. But um, first, they have to shrink down and fight in a dollhouse. Yes. So um, it's not I thought it was just going to be like a fighting tournament, him against like chang or the pisser or something yeah, you, you would figure it's just you know a fight for your life you you versus a champion that, that's kind nope. of the standard way of doing this but no no this movie has different plans yep nope you get shrunk down into a dollhouse and you just gotta get this one special light in the dollhouse before you die and it's it's, it's a it's, video game level it, it is completely a video game level and they describe the xenomorph as a demon Yes, <laughs> but so it is he, completely a, a xenomorph face hugger at first, and then later just <laughs> I don't know how to describe it when it gets uh, bigger. A big, yeah, it doesn't turn into the iconic alien. So, no. so yeah, he's fighting the xenomorph, and it like attaches itself to his face, and he manages to pull it off, and it does like the cartoony thing where it, like it elongates his face as he's pulling it off. Right. Uh, but he does get it off and then uh, wraps it up in a towel and just smashes it against the floor repeatedly, beating it to death that way. And it's just like <laughs> just over and over and over, just pound, 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 pound. Like, Ripley, you should have maybe done that. Well, it, I mean, it's it's pretty effective, except for some reason in this version, uh, it, it doesn't then, have acid blood. And well, it's, it turns. It doesn't seem to kill it either. Yeah, no. So it's a weird, hairy demon tentacle with like a weird number of eyes that it turns into. Yeah. And it's like it this, is. It's it's vaguely alien xenomorph esque because it's like yeah, black vaguely. and tube shaped sort of, but it's just like if it only had the head and was a long tube. <laughs> or yeah. an. Yeah, and and it just sort of, you you don't see a lot of it because it goes by really fast. It's flashing around a lot. 
Yeah, so what he ends up doing is he just jumps <laughs> over it, grabs the light, and that's enough to win past the test and make the dollhouse explode. Yeah, he doesn't have to kill it. He can just, like, bomb it on the way out. Yeah, and, they're, and the master, yeah, here's where the master is, like, saying to the grandpa, like, did you teach him magical martial arts? He's like, no, he just got it from watching, like, he learned it from watching practice. you. <laughs> he learned it from watching you. I yeah, Grandpa taught him martial arts. Come on, of course, his martial arts are so much better than anything these guys are teaching. His kung these guys, fu is stronger. Well, his kung fu is stronger because what they're teaching is limited, so that they cannot be unseated. Like yeah, they're not yeah. trying to train, you know, challengers to their own power. Yeah, no, they're only learning tricks, whereas the hero's yep. learning illusions. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> so, uh, here's where it's the teacher's like, okay, well, he's proven himself. I will make him a student of the school. Uh, cut credits, and then we will see in the second part how that goes. Oh, wait, no, we are of course at the 45-minute mark. <laughs> we are only halfway through this damn movie. <laughs> We're into other movie. Like, it, yeah. it does feel like a bunch of different movies at times. It, it, there, there are all these sequences that is like, is this a new main character? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, right. And then the master says, after accepting the guy as a student, he's like, but make sure, no matter what you do, never betray me. <laughs> and later on, the grandpa's saying to him, was like, I don't know why he picked that particular test for you. That one's famous for having nobody surviving it. Oh, well, there must have been a good reason. <laughs> uh, so the villain sends those two warriors after our hero and mm. the grandpa, uh, those samurai, whatever they are. Grandpa, I didn't even write down hell, but the grandpa just killed him. Yeah, because he has really powerful magic. He has his magic. He He's clearly the one with the most powerful magic of anyone in this whole area, other than, like, our titular kung fu wonder child who has the youthful version of same. And, of course, our villain who only is powerful because he steals his power from everybody else. Right. He's He's got the controller mojo. He's got the Riddler blender machine. Yep, exactly. The, the like, you know, ancient... Chinese clay pot version of it. So here we have a scene of, uh, I guess the piss teacher is trying to assassinate the grandpa uh, by taking, I think, the tea uh, and like trying to pour it on grandpa while he's sleeping, but the tea won't come out of the kettle. What? So, you know, he does the whole thing. He like, you gotta he, look like, right it into it. Down, you gotta look right into it, and he just sprays boiling hot tea into his face. It's a little rascal Twice. tag. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> and then the grandpa uses his magic to like trap him in the sheet, and then lies down like nothing happened, and then farts on the teacher and sends him flying back into like the drawers, and the pisser thinks the grandpa's room is haunted and just leaves. I guess he doesn't occur to him that magic the grandpa might know magic because I guess. I mean, they work in a place that literally deals exclusively in magic. In magic. They're yeah. I, they know there's at least one person who knows magic that isn't supposed to. It stands to reason that somebody, maybe the one who raised him, might also know his magic. You know, 
it, it like I said, it's both Little Rascals gags, but it's kind of Little Rascals magic. Like it's it's very prank based. You I, again, we have all these, we have all the poop jokes, we have the pee, we have the farts. Uh, there's a lot of all of that. It's very kiddie, but it really it's is, but it's like a also- strange version of that. I know it gets so like violent and dark in some places. And the ending is insane <laughs> when we get there. But like, just, wow, I can't believe that was the end <laughs> when we actually get there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so they're figuring that sister Chu's family's soul has been captured in one of the jars and they're, and she's going to go back to, uh, to go get it, to go get them, to go rescue mm-hmm. them from their prison. So the altar where all the jars are, we didn't really talk about it. It's ridiculous. It is like something that like you would expect to be set up for a high school play. It's this like paper mache skull thing. It's got like a waterfall, like a it red kind waterfall. Of, it kind of reminds me of uh, Orgy of the Dead, you know, the graveyard in Orgy of the Dead. That oh. Ed Wood movie where it's just like <laughs> a bunch of topless dancers in a graveyard. <laughs> yeah, kind of like that, yeah. So yeah, so the uh, so they're going to rescue the the family, but the Kappa creature from the beginning. Oh yeah, Khan still around. Yeah, yep, he he attacks. His whole thing is he's just there to guard the pots. So uh, he knocks this he knocks Sister Chu into one of the pots, which causes a soul to escape and the master wizard to sense a disturbance in the force. Uh, the kids escape while the master freaking laser whips the Kappa. Pretty rash. Yeah. He's like, you're not, you have exactly one job. You are supposed to do one thing and one thing only. And you fucked it up. R slash you had one job. Uh, and like, so we have this one soul freed, which is really key. So this person can finally put the pieces of the story together so we can understand what it's been about up to this point. <laughs> so, uh, so our hero meets the, the girl, uh, whose soul escaped. Who the spirit. Is able to, yeah. She's able to manifest as a ghost. Yeah. Uh, and she comes to thank him yep. and to sort of like uh, encourage him to uh, uh, save the rest of her family who have been enslaved. Cause it's her whole family are in these pots. Yeah. It's like and, an entire uh, clan. Yeah. And, and he's, but, and she's going to be the ghost is if she's exposed to sunlight, she'll just evaporate and die. That's part right. of the curse on them. Mm. And, and like the way they have, they talk about is this, kind of funny because he just says to her like can't you change your fate oh but i have a curse on me oh okay yeah well i mean what can you do right <laughs> so they they go to grandpa for help and grandpa's just like don't say anything i already know go get beavis and butthead then we're gonna do a fight yeah it's time for a big climax yep yeah so they go get beavis and butthead who are like don't bring a spirit here oh man we don't want to work with the spirit we're superstitious in addition to everything luck. else very bad luck. So the ghost girl, because she's a cute girl, just puts on the waterworks and they're like, we'll help everybody, actually. Yeah. And they're um, they're still fools. Like they they is this when they take them there and they break a couple of the pots during the day? It's like you just killed those people. Yes, this is exactly <laughs> exactly it. They uh, 
Like, um, guys, don't fuck around. You just murdered their souls. Are you kidding me? And they're like, oh, we're sorry. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> <laughs> like, the tone yeah. of this is so all over the place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, oh, the master has to kidnap the ghost girl, too, because he needs all the souls. Right. He can't just have some of the souls. He needs all the unlimited power. And then he says, nothing can stop me, which means he will absolutely be stopped. <laughs> and the princess is going to stop the master while the grandpa tries to think up a plan. The master is about to do like his big monologue. And he's like, but we need to do something about them if they find out about. And then the pisser just interrupts him. He's like, hey, why don't we? <laughs> why don't we, you know, not monologue this much? I can't remember yeah. what he actually says, but but something like that. Like, don't just say out loud what your weakness is, because then the audience will know. Yeah, so like, let, hey, maybe let's just not not let everyone let everyone know out loud what, what this is. Let's just keep yeah. it under our hat. Yeah, yeah. So they do a preparing for battle montage. Uh, the hero guy gets special armor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the the hero the hero and grandpa are playing checkers and the princess just has like this double-ended knife and she starts freaking out and stabbing a bag of flour and i'm just kind of and i don't know what that's about beavis and butthead show up and they're like we're gonna join you of course uh, we, there's a pretty yeah. girl involved yeah and they make some weird Rambo reference. It's like, where did you get the idea to bring all this stuff? It's like, Rambo. Yeah, when is this supposed to take place? Because it doesn't seem like it's 1986, even though that's when the movie was made. It doesn't. It seems like, you know, it's a wuxia film, so it feels like it probably was is set in you know 300 years ago. But they do know Rambo. <laughs> they know Rambo. I mean, at least with in the their dub. magic powers, they they know that Rambo will come to be. That's great powers. You get to see the 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 entertainment of the future. Then you can make it yourself before the actual person makes it, <laughs> and and make millions. Uh, so they approach the villain's lair. The uh, paper mache altar looks even more ridiculous in the daytime. It looks like it looks so cheap. It looks like one of those board games uh, with, like, the plastic head that spits out, like, the red balls that are supposed to be fireballs. Yeah, well, like, what it made me think of was, like, a a kid's game show set. Yes, oh, yeah. It really feels like, you know, something you would have on Nickelodeon. You know, this is, like, the Forbidden Temple. The the one you have (laughs) to climb to catch the big prize. Right. And like, you know, some sort of slime comes out of the lion's mouth and you get to the top. Exactly. So so they do have a plan. Uh, They're sealing up the guardian urn, the urn that the Kappa comes out of during the day. Right. Uh, But the urn moves around and is this like whole funny bit. It's like sliding around like while they're trying to while they're trying to put this like sack and these talismans on it and it like sprays them with i'm going to assume piss because that's what this movie is i'm pretty sure that is what we're supposed to believe yes yep um but eventually they they get a net and like they do this whole thing and manage to seal it and then here's where beavis and butthead just randomly open up two urns 
to see what's inside, and they're like, and you killed just, them. You just fucking killed those people. Aren't they already dead? Yeah, but the whole point of this is that we were going to save them, and now we can't save these two, and these two might be the ones that we were trying to save to begin with. They might be her sister and father. It's like, you don't. sorry. Like, we're sorry. Now we have a blood debt to repay, eye for an eye. <laughs> Yes, so <laughs> because the master is going to also, in addition to the fact that they just murdered two people, the master is going to know immediately that they're tampering with their shit. Yes. So alarm so, yeah. system. Yes. <laughs> like, which means they basically did all this stuff for nothing. So somebody has to get into those urns. I wonder who's going to have to do that. <laughs> Uh, so Beavis, so we cut to nighttime. Uh, Beavis and Butthead are, of course, in the urns, pretending to be corpses, uh, yep. pretending to be part of the ceremony and get their mojo sucked out. Mm-hmm. There's this other, there's this other ghost like in between them, like the skeleton head kind of thing that's just like t- completely onto them. Just talking and, shit at them the whole time. Yeah. Like, oh, you guys. <laughs> Yeah, it, it like like spits on them too. Uh, the ceremony lasts forever. It's very strange. It like it it does not matter most of what happens. Like, what is all this ritual? It is one of those things. that's like this feels really folk horror-y to me because I'm lost, but it seems to mean something. <laughs> yep. So it turns out they did successfully steal up the kappa, even though we've seen yep. them because Grandpa was disguised as the kappa. Uh. He did the spin around, remove disguise thing. Hell yeah. Uh, the girl. So it's now it's time for the big final battle with the master. And holy shit. It's so bonkers, like completely nuts. Yeah. So the girl attacks first. The guardian, the Kappa guardian is able to get out of his jar now and attacks Beavis and Butthead. Uh, the kid is fighting the pissing teacher and yeah, grandpa and the master or grandpa and the girl are fighting the master. It's like so much fighting. Uh, the pisser like throws out a get over here harpoon at the kid mm-hmm. like from Scorpion for Mortal Kombat. Totally. I don't know what it's called. So it's the get over here. <laughs> he misses. So the pisser plays dead and then catches the hero um but the hero electrocutes him with magic and spits a bunch of darts into his face super cool uh beavis and butthead spray powder onto the kappa which makes him sneeze the master turns into and this must be where all the budget went uh it turns into a really well animated cartoon dragon that is like by far the like this and the mushroom are the two best effects in this movie because this yeah one, this works like i can't believe how good this dragon looks it's like a proper fully cell animated dragon it's a really beautiful like high effort special effect in this movie it's great it, it's like wrapping around them it like this is this this is like Roger Rabbit level of uh, interaction with a cartoon creature that's not there. Like, this is really good. It's it's extremely well done. And, like, so unexpected given some of the silliness of most of it's the like, effects that we've had. Like, you'll see the dragon in the same shot as that stupid paper mache altar. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, um, the dragon is, like, 
wrapping its is like crushing the girl by wrapping itself around her. Uh, the hero kid with this crazy sword thing beheads the kappa. Kaboom! And then throws his yin yang pendant at the dragon, which expands and turns into a cartoon UFO that puts a freaking force field on him and turns him back into the, uh, into the master again. Yeah. Makes him resolve back to his human form. Yep. Uh, and here. Here is where Beavis and Butthead shoot the master with grenade launchers. Yep. Which suddenly they have, just like they have full grenade, on launchers. grenade launchers. Yeah. They have grenade launchers now. Yep. Shoot them. The hero has a multi-barreled freaking missile launcher. That like, like it, it kind of it, it, it's like, like dead or alive. Like it reminds me of Takeshi Mika or. Yeah, Takeshi Miike with the the Dead or Alive movies, it has oh, that... just the sudden ex- escalation that is not foreshadowed in any way whatsoever. Yeah, just suddenly like, whoa, this has suddenly become a very different, much more bizarre movie. It's like yeah. suddenly we have incredible firepower. Is the Earth going to explode? <laughs> well, uh, we'll lose no, a couple but... characters though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So uh, the master absorbs the decapitated kappa head, and then he grows a little kappa head on his forehead and turns into his final form. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I've got written down here is more missiles, more fight, more explosion. It just like it's, it's this whole constant thing. But what's incredible to me is what it ultimately finally escalates to. So Beavis and Butthead wrap themselves up in a string of fireworks and, like, bear hug the master, tie him up in, like, like the... Fireworks, sort of, in the sense that they're essentially supposed to be, like, dynamite, is how they act in this movie. So they're, like, suicide bombing themselves. They're suicide bombing the master uh, by tying, wrapping him up in, like, the magical chain that he can't break. And, yeah, uh... The two they of them light bomb. themselves up. <laughs> they uh, they light themselves up. And there's an uh, enormous dead, explosion. They are explosion. immolated. Um, and the the grandpa, the girl, and the kid are looking at the explosion. And boom, hard, the end. <laughs> the end. Cut to credits. Like, That's it. Like Mushroom Cloud, the two comic relief characters have just exploded in a ball of fire. The end. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Like, and not even, not even a hard cut to credits, just the end. And then, like, it stops, like, the playback stops in the middle of the song. Yeah, it's just, the end, nothing. <laughs> We're done here. <laughs> we are done. Followed, aftermath, no such thing. That's oh, the movie. Not. A lot of fun, totally insane. Like, what a oh wild my God. movie. This movie is crazy. It's like, you'll have, like, these horrible special effects alongside these incredible ones like well it kind of reminds me of yongari in that respect where we have those incredibly beautiful miniatures up against like those really goofy bad sets yeah you know that's (laughs) that's i was actually thinking of yongari in a different context uh thinking that if instructor chang or father chang died he would get the yongari award Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he just 
he is always being just dunked shit on, on in this movie. <laughs> Pissed on, shit on, dumped on, yep. He falls face first in poop. Like, that is an actual thing that like, has to happen to this poor guy in the movie. A couple of times, I think. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, a, a whole lot of fun. Like, a strong recommend. This thing is, you can watch it on YouTube. Uh, I think there might still be some copies of this disc left. I got it very recently. Uh, this is a numbered edition from Gold Ninja. Oh, oh wow. Uh, but yeah, it's it's super fun. Just a it's so much really fun. Just, weird thing. Yeah. Um, like, like, it's just so fast. There is so much in it. Um, like, I literally blinked and missed the Xenomorph scene. It was that quick. Like, I was writing down the fact that he got shrunk into the dollhouse so that I wouldn't forget that. And I like looked up and I'm like, did I miss a Xenomorph? And I rewind a little bit. It's like, I, I missed the Xenomorph. Yeah. Like, and, and all of that opening stuff where just all of these things are happening. You don't know who any of these people are and you won't know what any of it was about until 45 minutes later. <laughs> yeah. You don't even like, you got all this stuff, but you don't meet your main character until like the 13 minute mark. And for, like, a children's movie, that's a very strange structure to take, because it's just, like, it's throwing you in the deep end. You're just going to have to swim. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, yeah, totally a great time. Uh, one that I, I highly recommend. Oh, uh, I love it. Fascinating as hell. Uh, all right, any final thoughts before we head on to our final section? No, that movie got rid of all thoughts. <laughs> it just blew my mind. Right thoughts on. Thoughts are blown. And now on our third part where we talk about some other stuff we've watched and decide what we're going to uh, cover next week. Uh, first up, as mentioned, when we were talking about Fast Times, we also watched another Sherman Oaks Galleria key uh, cinematic experience, uh, the the Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge. <laughs> so so this is basically the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. But set in the Sherman Oaks Galleria, it's seven years later. This is an 89 movie, uh, and uh, Fast Times is 82. So I kind of think of it as more the end of the Sherman Oaks 80s mall cycle, because it's in so many classic 80s movies. Oh, yeah. The the, the last monster to appear. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's almost fully set within the mall, which I love. Uh, just a great location for a movie. We have Polly Shore as the guy in the frozen yogurt stand. Oh yeah, Polly Shore. That's right. This is a an immediately pre-fame Polly Shore. Yeah, this is a very Polly Shore role. I I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> I hate him in this. It's a very specific acquired taste, and uh, it's not for everybody. But yeah, he is completely just the Polly Shore character. Uh, this is like just before he had the show on MTV and kind of had his breakout success. So it's interesting to see him in this context. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it's a really fun movie. Lots of extremely grody kills. Uh, you get yeah. one guy who gets forklifted into an electrical box and his <laughs> eyes explode out of his head. Very great. Yeah, and then uh, his eyeball ends up in a girl's ice cream. Frozen yogurt. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and it's it's fun. It's it's quite goofy. Uh, there are some incredible flame stunts, especially at the end of really great climax. 
it it would make an amazing double bill with Chopping Mall, uh, which is another Sherman Oaks Galleria film uh, with a similar flavor to it. But yeah, highly recommend. It's a lot of fun if you're into uh, 80s mall stuff and just crazy horror schlock from that period. Yeah, it was it was a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for our uh, moves from last week from the stacks and for potential picks for next week, uh, first up is the second feature uh, on the Kung Fu Wonder Child disc, Lucky Seven. I uh, think I've seen that actually. Interesting. So it's it's a kid power movie, but in like it's another 1986 Taiwan uh, really bizarre vapor wavy kind of kung fu sorcery movie so I'm like heavily set in the mall sure i've seen this <laughs> it's heavily set in the mall the criminals are just constantly failing at everything even though there's some like really absurd over the top shocking violence like there is someone who gets shot in the face in front of one of the kids the kids are killing people at the end like <laughs> no question uh it's wild (laughs) it's not quite as intense as this uh kung fu wonder child but it has a similar vibe to it right on right on uh next up is ghostbusters 2016 Ooh. uh Um, aka ghostbusters answer the call oh is that what is that what they're calling it now it wasn't always called that was it yeah, it's it's I I don't think it's fully official, but like some a lot of the materials call it that to kind of distance it from the franchise because of the backlash. Well, okay, yeah. it's so it's yeah. stupid. Like the controversy honestly, behind it is stupid. This is a good film. It's so so. <laughs> really, I, I remember really liking it at the time. Me too. I enjoyed it when I saw it in theater. To to be fair, I watched the extended edition. Uh, which is, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes longer, and it didn't add much that I needed. Uh, Yeah, that movie doesn't need another 20 minutes. No, because it's already a movie that has very little shape to it. And this does have, like, this does fill in some story elements that were cut that sort of make a few decisions later on clearer. But I didn't need them, and they just make it longer Hmm. and add some additional characters. I I don't need it. Uh, I, I think... There are very funny people in this movie. I, I especially like uh, Leslie Jones and Kate McKinnon and obviously Chris Hemsworth. Chris is like Hemsworth is so good. A real revelation. Like, he's the only person whose status was elevated by this movie. <laughs> right? Because, like... Was this... This was... Was this pre-Thor? This was pre-Thor Ragnarok. So oh. this... There had been the two dour Thor movies that nobody liked. And then he was really funny in this and at marvel they're like wait thor funny and suddenly we had a really good thor movie not that i dislike the other two very funny he's hilarious he is very very funny uh and kate mckinnon uh just like super interesting leslie jones really down to earth i feel like uh uh the the two like main stars mccarthy and wig are I don't know, they a little the, bit too much just doing their thing, and they're a little too dialed down. Yeah, they they are the weaker of the four, in my opinion. Yeah, um, and... Not that they're bad, but you know... No, they're not bad, I, and it's just, it doesn't have... It, it's weird in a way, because, like, the original Ghostbusters, like I said, I watched it a few weeks back, and 
it's very loose. And this is the only one that captures that spirit of just being a really loose comedy with, you know, SNL and sketch comedy people who all have like, you know, improv chops and stuff. And like that movie has very little structure and very little arc and, and all of that. And this sort of goes through that too, but it feels like there's no form to this one. It, it just feels like it's so lost in terms of what it wants to do. Hmm. Like it's still enjoyable. There's a lot of stuff that's really funny. Uh, it, it's just, there are also these total fail jokes that I just don't want to hear and they'll just go oh. on and on and on. Right. Yeah, there's there's a few of those. That's true. That's true. And it it's just that, and it's it's not that I didn't enjoy the movie. I I still think it's an okay movie. It's just that it doesn't really fit together well. The third act sort of just falls apart. The third act isn't great. Yeah, like I think the effects are good, but I don't need this to be a big effects action thing. Uh, I look to Ghostbusters as a comedy, and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and just I, yeah i don't know it's it's just sort of whatever at that point like they just fight the logo uh, whatever <laughs> <Weird. laughs> yeah i guess <laughs> and i mean like yeah they're they're you know battling the shadow of the franchise and stuff but that ultimately destroyed no, them no they're destroying the franchise <laughs> as indicated by them destroying the logo and being women I mean, that's the damnedest thing about this movie, that it is so innocuous and such a, like, 2016-specific movie. Like, it feels unbelievably rooted in that specific moment in time. If they just called it Lady Ghostbusters or Ms. Ghostbusters, no one would ever have cared. <laughs> it would have made $100 million, and there wouldn't have been any stupid backlash because they wouldn't have felt, it's supplanting it. <laughs> My childhood is ruined. <laughs> this somehow eliminates the original Ghostbusters from existing and makes me somehow not able to watch it anymore. Meanwhile, like, it's kind of kicked out of the franchise. They recently released a set called the Complete Ghostbusters franchise with the first two and Afterlife. <laughs> oh, wow. Paul Feig is is uh, not happy about that one. He, he kind of called them out on that. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But yeah, it's sort of just been written out of history. And like, there was such an unbelievable backlash. Fucking Trump had a whole like oh video God. about it. <laughs> Lady goes to visitors. Like it, you know, it, it's, it's basically what got him elected. And <laughs> it's, it's insane that it's such an innocuous movie that it I became like such that. a flashpoint. Uh, uh, next up is alligator. <laughs> Ooh. So What's this, this about? Giant alligator. Uh, so there's a medical lab which has been testing on stolen puppies, which is <laughs> unpleasant. And they're like testing growth hormones and stuff. And they're just like very, very shady. So they're not even disposing of any of them properly. They're just dumping them in the sewer. And of course, there's a flushed alligator in the sewers and it feeds on the dead growth hormone dogs and becomes uh 40 feet long and starts you know uh bursting out of the sewers and eating people <laughs> yes it rules uh great effects it's pretty satirical i think last week i said that it was new york because it's been 
like 15 years since I'd seen it. It's actually Chicago. It's very okay. Chicago. And yeah, just, you know, it, it's sort of like them, you know, the giant ants movie. It has a lot of that flavor. The, the alligator is just somehow hiding in the sewer system. And they, they have like these big outflow drains. They go into it, go, go after it with like tons of cops and just like people are getting eaten. Uh, it's so much fun. Uh, I'd say it's the best post Jaws creature feature or in terms of like killer animal, like giant killer animal thing. A lot of fun. Cool. Cool. Next up is Christiana Devil Nun. First in the Nunsploitation collection, Nasty Habits from Severin. Such a good pun. (laughs) So this is the one I was talking about last week where there's this nymphomaniac who's having wild public sex on a plane. Okay, yep. And, like, it's... Like, people are complaining. Like, a stewardess comes and's like, you need to stop this, because they're, like, laying down. There's, like, someone filming it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And there's also a nun on board who is very scandalized, but also kind of intrigued. And they... They like it, it's such a big deal that they're going to land the plane, but then one of the engines explodes and they're just like in a nosedive for what feels like 15 minutes oh, where like she comes up and she finally decides to like pray with the nun and like she's going to renounce her evil ways. And miraculously at that exact moment, of course, uh, the the engine just miraculously stops being exploded and they fucking fly away. Um, <laughs> and so she joins a convent. Got better. But, yeah, basically. So she joins a convent, but she's immediately horny again. Uh, it doesn't help that it's the sixties and there's just like hippie freakouts happening all over around the nunnery. And there's just like all these people that she could very easily get with. Mm-hmm. And also there's like one nun who's clearly into her. Uh, and there's a painter hanging around the place who's into her, and it's just like there's too much temptation. And <laughs> it might it doesn't as well last. be a pool boy, a plumber, and a pizza delivery guy. Yeah, and so she she does go through the whole convent <laughs> thing, but like she's having sex the entire time with various different people, and then she gets out, and her first night she has a big bacchanal party where she auctions off her re virginity and like proclaims herself the queen of satan and stuff it's it's just wild it's hog wild (laughs) (laughs) all right Uh, next up is wolfpack which is the fascism high school football thing i was talking about uh also last week so it's a direct-to-video thing so it's pretty cheap (laughs) but it's very interesting uh it's the only non-porn feature from this guy bill milling who did a bunch of porn features otherwise and it's just like a bunch of like 30 year olds playing high school students who are fascists and it's just examining how fascist thought uh develops and it's it's this football team who are being controlled by one strongman guy who his own strings are being pulled by some teacher who tried to do the same thing back in like the sixties. Hmm. It's very interesting. Uh, yeah, sounds like it. Uh, like not super deep or anything, but you know, cool, cool place to put uh, a, a fascism microcosm. Cause again, like as we talked about with fast times, that really escalated area of uh, high school adolescence. Mm-hmm. 
And last one is Girlfriend from Hell, uh, which stars Dana Ashbrook, Bobby from Twin Peaks. Oh, okay, okay. He's the inventor of the condom, uh, but <laughs> he has like been... Uh, after his death, because of all his many sins, God sends him to be his bounty hunter, and he just, like, goes around the universe with, like, this gun. It, like, he's first introduced fighting a glowing rock. <laughs> uh, anyway, he's he's battling Satan all over the place, because that's what he's supposed to do. Satan gets into this girl who's on her first date. She's really awkward, and then, you know satan possesses her and she becomes oh, so the girl she becomes from super hell. sexy yeah yeah and she's really sexy but she's also like eating people's souls and reanimating lobsters in the restaurant and stuff so you know she's super sexy she is super sexy <laughs> uh it's it's really weird it's uh much hackier than you might expect a lot of the time it's got the worst fucking synth music of all time have you seen hobgoblins not sure the name sounds or familiar potentially the mystery science theater episode of it it's like a like a gremlins knockoff with like these little cheap puppet hobgoblins that are like taking over a movie studio at night and like they sounds familiar. draw people in with fantasies it's a rick sloan film and this has a very similar feel to it to me okay Everybody seems very unreal in the way they act. <laughs> like nobody feels like a real person. Everybody feels like a very strange alien. Uh, weird. Very, very goofy. All right. Uh, but yeah, th those are our picks. Okay. Um, I'm feeling the gigantic alligator from the sewer that eats people. Word alligator. That, uh, that became mutant after eating uh, experimented on puppies from a horrible puppy mill run by, I guess, Cruella DeVille. I guess I'm going to find out. You'll find out. It's a, there is an evil pet shop owner involved, as a matter of fact. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so there's only a few additions, just uh, three here. So first up is Alligator 2, The Mutation. <laughs> uh, it's basically the exact same plot, but it's uh, 10 years later or maybe like 12 years later, because I think it's a 90s film and the first okay. one's 1980 and uh, much more slower budget. And it's set on the West Coast, I think, instead of Chicago. But yeah, same plot. <laughs> OK. Uh, and it's got Steve Rails back and who else? Richard Lynch, who's kind of a fun bad guy. Usually I haven't seen this one, but yeah, the sequel uh, next right. is story of a cloistered nun next in uh, the Severn nun box, of course, next in the Nundle, uh, a woman who is forced into a nunnery by her family. Uh, it, it is just like after she like breaks off an engagement or something like that. Uh, but of course, she finds out that the convent is already full of sin and just everyone at the convent also wants to sleep with her. And you know, it's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, jokes on you parents. The These things happen. Is, uh, well, I think she's not into crime. it. I oh. don't know because like, I, my understanding is this is one of the less sleazy ones, but also one of the highest sex ones. I don't know. Huh. I haven't okay. seen it. <laughs> uh, and last edition is Cain and Abel, a Filipino 
like it's it's the Bible story of Cain and Abel, but it's told in modern day Philippines as like an action thriller, uh, sort of a post Straw Dogs thing, very Sam Peckinpah. I think it directly references Straw Dogs. Okay, cool. Uh, so those are the only ads. We only have a, a couple new ones. Uh, what are you feeling for next week? I'm halfway tempted to pick Alligator 2 for the main one. <laughs> <laughs> and then we can discuss Alligator 2 first and then Alligator 1 because that's our secondary feature. I mean, uh, I guess it is 12 years later. How many years later? I don't. I don't think I'm going to do that. That is fair, because they're probably almost the same movie. It's probably going to be one discussion, and it's probably going to be short. <laughs> um, so, is there is there any, um, any series that we've kind of left on the shelf for a bit that you've been hoping to get back into? Uh, I don't know. Let me see. What, what is a series here that... So in terms of series that we haven't touched in a really long time, there is the Andy Sedaris. There's the Friday the 13th. Right. Uh, there's the Yokai. Uh, uh, hmm, okay. Uh, yeah, those are probably the, the oldest uh, ones here because we've got uh, Malibu Express, Friday the 13th. They're up here in like the third row. And then we've got oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yokai down in like around six. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you know what? The uh, the small number of little monster things that showed <clears> up in the Kung Fu Wonder Child <clears> kind of got me thinking I need some more yokai. So uh, up for some spook warfare. Spook warfare. I wonder if we'll get to see the monsters uh, before the... 50-minute mark? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is my understanding of the second one, is that it's the one that just kind of gives you the monsters through the movie instead of just making you wait until the very end for them. Because uh, it's just like a whole monster war movie. Cool, cool. Yeah. So cool, yeah. Uh, that'll be fun to get back to the yokai. So yeah. uh, next week, uh, yokai monsters spook warfare, uh, as well as... Alligator. Uh, I always love a, a giant monster movie. I, I love an animal attack movie. Uh, Jaws is like one of my all-time favorites, and this, I'd say, is the only really great one after Jaws. Cool. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Uh, so any last thoughts before we close for the evening? Uh, no. Nope. I think I'm good. <laughs> All right, well, thanks everyone for listening and keep watching the stacks. <laughs>